Oh, God. Jeez. Oh, it's been forever since I played this thing. I should get more practicing before the concert. Um, let me try this piece here. See if I can read the music on this. Okay. Warning, the Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there will be spoilers for the first half of Kono Oto Tomare, as well as various other anime series. Please use caution while listening in case you haven't been following the series. And finally, the opinions expressed are those of tonight's musicians and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Now, that's a music piece right there. A little tough to read, but seems easy enough to play. Let's give it a whirl! Dang it! one and all and welcome to dub talk the show where a group of club members get together play our hearts out and basically tell the vice principal to go fuck himself <laughs> <laughs> true facts my name is megan and i and i'm a dragon fucker <laughs> fuck I'm sorry, sorry what where is this going <laughs> i don't know why but i remember that a kodo is supposed to look like a dragon in that exact moment. I don't know where this train of thought is going, but she, she, I don't either. She's saying she wants to finger a dragon. That's what she's saying. No, 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 no. Whoa. <laughs> Fuck, I... Andrew. Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid Season 2 is already Andrew. sounding promising. Oh my god. We're not even a minute in. What the fuck? Good night, everybody. Episode canceled. Go home, you sillies. See, see, see. I thought she was gonna go in the direction that dragon fuckers is the derogatory nickname for uh, people who moon around famous Kodo players in the hopes that they'll sleep with them. Oh, I fucking quit. <laughs> I fucking quit. Once someone comes in there with the I joke, said... it's all over. <laughs> I don't know why, but hello, I'm a dragon fucker came into my brain. <laughs> Good job. Good lord. Are we just oh, keeping God. it at this point or are we starting over? Oh. <laughs> yes! No, we're just keeping it. Hello, my name is Megan and I am an embarrassment to nature. <laughs> Joining me on this episode tonight, we have slightly less embarrassment to nature, Steph. <laughs> slightly? I, I, I at least I'm only in my only what <laughs> only <laughs> fuck I don't even know where I'm going with this I'm on Steph and Andrew are here <laughs> hey guys <laughs> she doesn't know what to do anymore <laughs> I don't people I know are gonna watch this episode and I've just fucked up <laughs> I done fucked up I done fucked up. Send me to horny jail. <laughs> look, look, everybody has magic fingers tonight. We, Everybody knows what they're getting into. Stop making it worse! We might have to put Andrew back in the playpen he was in earlier. God damn it. His... <laughs> I love you, babe. Oh my fucking Christ. <laughs> anyway. I have a degree. I went to college. <laughs> 
We have one person. We have two people here who have master's degrees. <laughs> they went to college times two. Or three in Amon's case. <laughs> Oh, God. What are we doing with our lives, guys? <laughs> I don't understand. I, I don't know, and I'm so sorry to anybody who's listening to this. Tonight, if you thought we were talking about Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, we did that two years ago. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Tonight, we are talking about Kono Ototomure, The Sounds of Life, the 2019 anime from Studio Platinum Vision, <laughs> which features an opening... <laughs> By the savior of God and time himself, Aoi Shota. God damn it! Wait, that is Aoi Shota? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's a- yeah, that's Aoi Shota. I didn't know that. That's cool. Wait, wait. Yeah, that's wait, Aoi Shota. Wait, wait. Aoi Shota is a real person? Yes. Oh my God! Yes. Did you actually not know He's Aoi Shota was the- real? <laughs> no, no. Let me say it, Steph. Let me say it, Steph. Hey, I'm on. What? Okay. Remember when we showed you Udafri at a- at Anime Boston? Wait, is he is he is he the fucking robot? Please tell me he's <laughs> yes. the robot. Yes! He's the fucking Yes, he is the Rogan robot. Watch <laughs> not while, like my favorite show I don't watch. <laughs> while, while, while editing the vlog, just seeing Amon slowly dying and laughing is his he ass a fucking off robot? is great. Nothing, nothing's gonna get better. Is he an alien? I'm like sitting and looking at him with the camera. Oh my god, is he a fucking robot? No, 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 no. no. The, the vlog's going up this it, week at my the time of recording is, so here's My bigger question is this. Uh, Amon, did you really think Aoi Shota wasn't a real person? I know he's a real person. I was making a... Look, he fits right into Pop Team Epic. He could be fake. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. The vlog is getting released this week at the time of recording this. I did a joke partway through where on the bottom, there's like a realization in three, two, one. <laughs> is he a robot? <laughs> but yes, for anybody who's like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. The opening of the show is sung by the... How he showed up. <laughs> I have one more joke and then I am done. Oh god, okay. no you're not, you're never done. My favorite pop teen ship is Aoi Shota x Hellshake Yano. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Please don't ship real people, that's creepy. <laughs> I ship the evil Aoi Shota with Hellshake Yano, is that better? Okay. By the way, if you want to know, the ending of the song is sung by the Seiyu for Kudo. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, he is the, uh, yeah, he is the, uh, singer for the ending, and if I'm correct... <clears throat> I'm just, I'm sorry to go off on, like, a, a mild tangent. Ah, he is Kyo in Fruits Basket, the Japanese voice of Kido. New Kyo? new one? Yeah. I 100% see it. My heart. Because this is not an episode on Fruits Basket, huh? That episode ain't coming out for at least a year, and you are not taking that from me. Um, Let's go over the plot of Kono Uto Tomare, because we've been doing this intro for seven minutes. <laughs> Well, the story fo- the story focuses on the Kodo Club of Tokusei High School. Takezo Kurata, in his second year, is the only member left of the Kodo Club after all the senior members, who happen to be girls, have graduated. While he's trying his best to recruit more members of the club, Kudo Chika submits his application. But since Kudo is known to be a delinquent, one who apparently had destroyed his own grandfather's Kodo shop, Takezo is apprehensive about him. Things change when he comes to know the truth. After joining the club, a Kodo prodigy named Sawato Hozuki, who has her own agenda, joins as well. More club members join, holding their own reasons for joining. However, joining, joing, not joing is not a thing. (laughs) Joey, I can read. I can read. However, in the end, they all have the same goal as in every goddamn sport slash club anime: get to the national championships. 
So tonight we are going to do impressions on the first five episodes of the Funimation dub of Kono Otatomare. Uh, we will be doing predictions for at least some of the characters. I know all, not all of the characters I did predictions for because I think I did them like before the show started and like or maybe like after episode one and only did characters who like actually looked like they'd be around for more than like five minutes. I pulled a Megan uh, and I'd made but mine we will today. Be... <laughs> Nugget, it's my favorite character. We're gonna get to Nugget later. <laughs> who I call Nug. Nug or Nugget later. Because he looks like a chicken nugget of a human. God damn it. I keep making this worse. This is like when I called Tenka a snack and Noah's like, what the fuck, Megan? <laughs> and there's one of those awkward nights. silence. It's gonna be one of those nights. Oh my silence. god, I feel like I'm on another fucking plane of existence. Jesus Christ. You okay? Like, y'all know the part in the fucking opening where, like, the rainbow dragon comes up? Yeah. yeah. Y'all know the part, like, in the beginning of the show where, like, the rainbow dragon comes out and goes over thinking? I'm pretty sure I'm seeing rainbow dragons. <laughs> oh, that's not good. I'm not high, I'm just tired. That's I'm not high, that I'm time. just tired. That time of day. That's pretty much the college mantra in a nutshell. I'm not high, I'm just tired. Oh my god, you are right, and I don't want to admit it right now. Uh, Alright, so, uh, tonight, uh, like I said, we're going to do the first uh, five episodes as impressions, so we're going to start out with the thing that every uh, musical thing needs, a director to direct the, the group or band, and a writer to put together all the music. Uh, in terms of speaking order tonight, we are going to be doing it in the order of Andrew, then Amon, then Steph, and then myself. So, do we have predictions for the director and writer, starting with Andrew? Uh, as far as the writer goes, I did, I think I really only had, like, the main three and the director as far as predictions go. But, as far as the director, I think I had two in mind. Uh, I figured, Kyle Phillips seems like somebody who might handle something a little more interesting like this. And my other thought process was... Jade Saxton did a musical show a season or two ago that may or may not have been popular, so to speak. You may think it's not fresh, but when you think about it, their flesh was never fresh. That pun was terrible and you should feel bad. I feel bad, but I probably don't feel as bad as the truck driver who hit her. No, that truck driver feels no mercy. I'm talking about truck Zombie Land Saga in case you got all didn't figure that out. First of all, one, assuming that truck okay, look. First of all, one, let's <laughs> go over go. things. Truck Coon doesn't have a driver. Truck Coon is like doesn't some have like a driver. <laughs> truck Coon in my mind is like an Ayakashi or a demon that possesses somebody. Oh my god. And they never know that they've committed murder and sent people to like becoming zombies or into another world. It's like God's punishment for bitch-ass Japanese boys. <laughs> Gotta say, I love I love this new premise of Noragami. Oh my fucking god! Noragami my, are a truck tow. I, uh, my 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 theory was always that truck kun had been made from some scrap metal that somebody had found, uh, but unfortunately, that scrap metal was made out of a uh, 1958 Plymouth Fury that once came to life and killed a bunch of people in New England. <laughs> How did it end up in Japan? 
I'm not going to lie, Truck-kun sounds like a Pokemon that could be in Pokemon Sword and Shield with the Lord we are giving it right now. Demonic cars have strange powers, let me tell you. What if Truck-kun is just like a Junji Ito creature come to life? God damn it. God damn it. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, yes, the, my predictions were Kyle Phillips and Jade Saxton. I didn't have any for the writer. Uh, I didn't have predictions because I'm coming off like the busiest four weeks of my life. And I did not have the time. Amon's been a busy boy. Amon's been, been a, Amon's a busy boy who bought me porn. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to put that porn in the mail so you can get it. That's true. Thank you. I think at this point that's becoming a rite of friendship passage at this point with you. By Megan Pornography? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Alright, Steph, when are you gonna do it? Never. Are you fucking kidding me? Excuse me, I bought Gigi some. The least you could do is buy me some, you hoe. <laughs> but you also bought Gigi some. I also bought Gigi some, I think. <laughs> Look here, not my thing. Anyway, my turn. Um... So, most of this I pulled a Megan and did my predictions based on what the characters look like. And it was, and I did these before watching the show earlier today, thanks to Megan. Um, <clears throat> but, um, director and writer, obviously, I had to make my own. Um, in terms of the writer, based on what I could figure out with the series, it seems a bit more dramatic in tone, uh, set in high school, seems to be, seems to have possibly very character-driven and storyline to it um so the two writers i picked i felt could handle this rather well would be emily neves and clint bickham and for my director i picked three two of them are kind of obvious one of them um i was actually very curious about especially since i watched i've been watching another show that he's actually been directing lately uh the two that i think could handle this very very well would be one mr clifford chapin and one miss tia ballard Especially Tia Ballard, since I haven't seen her direct things since Zombieland Saga. But the one that I'm actually curious about, and if I'm correct, he's actually now a full-time director over at Funimation. And because he's also directing another little independent project this season about some baseball, I was curious to know how Anthony Bowling could do with something like this. Okay, so, um... By the time I had started kind of putting this together, like, I was trying to think, okay, what other shows were other people potentially doing and, like, what really kind of went in their wheelhouse. Um, And I knew one director was off based on the fact that she was already doing one really big name show. And I figured she was going to do another one based on her love of who was making that. So that took that person out. And I'm not going to say who it is, though, if you can guess by my, like, vague hinting, you should know. But for me, I also went with Clifford Chapin. I knew that he was directing another show, but I also knew that Cliff could do well with, like, high school drama stuff based on what he did with Gridman when Gridman wasn't doing all the weird, like, alien tokusatsu shit. Mm-hmm. And then my other guess was because I knew he was doing fairy tale, but I didn't know what else he was going to do this season. I said, you know what? This show looks kind of out there enough and could be, like, kind of fun for Kyle Phillips to do. I I, see it. I thought he would be really, like, have a lot of fun with this. And then my writers, I picked Emily Neves or Leah Clark because I just, 
I don't know, just something said pick those two because Emily Neves can do stuff like this and I liked her writing on Kakariyo and I figured this was a show that she could really stick her teeth into. And then Leah Clark, uh, I figured she could mix the drama and the uh, slight comedy that is in this show together uh, and enjoy it. But uh, so only Steph is right about something. <laughs> and on a whim too. So, the director for Kono Ototomure is Tia Ballard, though she is assistant directed by Felicia Angeal. And the writer of the series is Kristen McGuire. Tia Ballard, you'll know as director for The Royal Tutor, Kiss Him, Not Me, and Chain Chronicle, The Light of Heg. The Light of Hectis? I don't know how the fuck to Just say that. Just call it Chain Chronicle, it's fine. Chain Chronicle, The Light of. <laughs> Chain Chronicle, The Light of. <laughs> Like Chain Chronicle, the light of yeah! God damn it! We go from a frog frog being stuck in someone's throat to someone doing karate. What's the, what is this? Shit? That wasn't karate. That was Link. You ignorant slut! <laughs> <laughs> Look here! It sounded like someone doing karate. Fuck it! Yeah! <laughs> That's like a karate chop to me. That's Shut Link. Up. That's Link. You piss baby. Look here! I don't know nothing about y'all video games. All right. Oh, sweetie. Look here, just because you want some... <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to make that joke. I'm going to stop right now. Because you know stop. what? Fuck it. Do it. Do it, bitch. Go for it. I was going to say, look, just because the only Master Sword you care about is an Andrew's pants. Okay, you are going to stop everything that you are doing right this instant. I'm on, I'm done, I'm living in your beard now. <laughs> no. Find, find, find somewhere else to live. Nah. I had the wisdom, power, and the courage to take that shot. You know what? I, I can't even be mad. That was good. <laughs> and Felicia Angeal has directed series such as Puzzles and Dragons X, as well as being an assistant director on Grimgar Ashes and Illusions slash Fantasy and That Ass, you may! I, I got one more for you since I'm going to be recording it tomorrow. What? Boogie Pop and others. Thank you. Uh, alright. And then Krista McGuire, you'll know for her writing on series such as That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, Magical Girl Racing Project, and Interviews with Monster Girls. Amon, <laughs> while Andrew attempts to murder me, please go ahead and talk about how you feel about the, the show. Uh, or no, Andrew, you first. Oh, damn. Now I can't look at how much a contract killer is. Ugh. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, so, uh, starting off, I will say the direction in this show is pretty interesting. There's a couple of, like, a couple, I'd say some of the cast, some of the characters that were cast are, they're playing characters that make sense to me in my mind, but their performances are a lot more different or nuanced than I think I have come to expect from them, because... Okay, look, Chica is not a nuanced character, but his particular voice, as well as uh, Takizo, they're... I'm very familiar with these actors' lines of work, but it's actually pretty unique, some of the performances and delivery they're working with these characters. Uh, I am blanking on the girl's name right now. Hozaki. Hozaki. I love... I love what they do with her. Uh, the ensemble cast is a lot of fun and interesting. And 
the script is pretty solid for the most part. I think there's a, it's, how do I put this? I think it feels a lot more natural than I think I would have expected, but it is also very fun and punchy in regards, especially with uh, Chica and Hozaki fighting each other a lot because those two are bickering hardcore and they are pretty much fighting over calling each other Baka before biting each other's heads off. And poor Takizo is just like, oh god, please. Uh, everything's going to be fine. Just kiss and make fuck. <laughs> what? I heard that! I, I stand by what I said. But I think, yeah, the script is pretty funny. There's a lot of very... I think what sells it is the delivery of a lot of a lot of these actors and actresses and the dialogue is very punchy and poignant. I think there's a couple of moments where just the delivery and some of the lines are delivered is great. Um, two moments I think particularly stood out to me are uh, when uh, Takizo is remarking just how he's very impressed by the the sound that Chika is making in episode 4 and he's just like how'd you make that sound and he's like duh with my fingers idiot it's just the just the casual delivery of that kills me so much and another thing is just anytime uh anytime Hozaki has to switch between being a cutesy moe girly girl to this is my the, city, the bitch. Devil. The devil, basically. Like, the, both the performance and just the script and the things that she are saying are just hilarious. Like, one of my favorite things that she says is just, oh, thank goodness they're dumb. It's just, it's just very, it's a nice compliment of, su like, subtle but strong delivery and a charming and solid script i think uh t and felicia as well as Kristen, uh all work together really well and complement each other in regards to this show's dub all right i'm on uh yeah i think this is a really strong well done dub uh i think the casting is really well done i feel like um you know these, a lot of these voices fit these characters very well um, even for a couple like are not really they're playing characters that are not what I usually associate with them, but they're they're doing a really good job, which I'm enjoying. Um, uh, like I, I agree, like I think the writing is very sharp, like there it and the performances along with it, like a lot of the comedy is very good and very very on point. Uh, they can sell dramatic bits really well, particularly when we're getting into Chica's backstory, which I'm sure we'll talk about in more length when we get to him. My heart. Uh, yeah. Um, the one thing I did, one thing I did want to praise is, uh, obviously, this is the kind of show where it's about kind of a niche topic, and to a certain extent, the show explains what's going on. And I want to give them credit because sometimes these uh, these shows are about niche topics that someone in you know an English speaking part of the world might have some knowledge of already. This is not that show. Mm. What? Uh, You've never played Koto before? Uh, what is wrong? I don't know what a fucking Koto the, is. The the national instrument of Japan? No, I've never played the fucking Koto before. I reckon now that I know what it sounds like, I realize I've heard it in a bunch of like video games and anime. I can like I it's like, oh, that's that instrument that's in a lot of the Okami soundtrack, I can say. 
But like, could I tell you what it was before that? No, it's just, it's some string instrument that I don't know what it's called. Couldn't even tell you what it looks like if I had to. Now you can! Uh, yeah, it looks now like I can. a dragon! Really? It looks like a zither to me. <laughs> it's a dragon, shut up! Uh, but not, not, but uh, no, I, I do want to give them a lot of credit for explaining this thing. And I think they can safely assume a lot of their audience is probably not necessarily going to be that familiar with. And I think making it very coherent, both in terms of kind of like, this is an instrument, this is how it works, this is how you play it. Like, I, I, I feel like they, they've done a good job of, uh, you know, giving this understanding to this instrument that like, you know, when it's being broadcast in Japan, I feel like, like, even if you don't know a lot about it, like, you can probably recognize like, ah, that is an instrument that I've seen in some context. I know what that is. As opposed to over here where it's like, ah, I saw that in a museum once in the, in the Pacific art room. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Um, mm, yeah, no. Indubitably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> put, put on your monocle and do, get your uh, finest bullshitting out. Um, but yeah, this, this has just been a, a nicely strong dub on the whole. I think it's, it's come together very nicely. I think it's been very well done. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I didn't expect to be hit by a freight train at the end of episode five, but you know, that's just me. In the words of my mother, release the dragon! <laughs> Indeed. Um, I mean, how the hell am I even going to start with this? I would say that if anything, Tia and Kristen are probably the perfect duo to be tackling this show. Both have done similar similar works before and so this is kind of in their wheelhouse um with tia that being more like um the royal tutors of the world um and maybe to some extent kiss him not me uh and then with Kristen, she's done a variety of stuff too um interviews with monster girls comes to mind i think in terms of similarities in the style of this show um with its I, I, tone. i'd say i'd say it's similar in that I feel like the dialogue that she is giving a lot of these characters sounds actually believable yes. in what teenagers would probably say and act like to each other is what mm -hmm. I'd add on to that. Why do I want to say she wrote Tsukigaki Dai? Did she write Tsukigaki Dai? Yes, she did! There it is! That's probably the better show to compare it to, then. Tsukigaki Dai is the better show I will for very much remember that she wrote Tsukigaki Dai for very embarrassing reasons to myself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. but, um, yeah, this is definitely a show that's in both of their wheelhouses. Though, for Tia's sake, this is probably one of the most dramatic that I've seen her direct. And it's also a rather diverse casting choices all around here. Um, granted, since this is Tia, we do kind of see a few names pop up again that she has had in her shows previously. But that's not a bad thing at all in fact it's great because in terms of those casting choices they're in some places that you might not exactly expect but then when you look at it and then you hear it it's like oh yeah i get behind this i can get behind this 100 percent um dear sweet baby jesus kudo my heart um <laughs> anyway but um yeah the script writing is definitely something that's easy to digest and it actually does sound like legit teenagers um Sometimes with the comedic, sometimes with the comedic moments, some of the dialogue gets, I don't know if it's a little bit too much at times, but at the same time, I can forgive it with comedic moments. Um, it's hard to describe it, but um, 
it definitely sounds very, very natural sounding, and the direction is, I think, is very solid. It's definitely one of the solid, one, one of the more solid shows, because I'm finally catching up on spring shit, finally. Holy hell. Um, it's definitely one of the more solid entries for the spring season, for sure, to me. Um, and I'm just enjoying it so much, but I think the true testament to the directing, the writing, and performance-wise, I should say, is basically the end of episode five when they do their first big concert in front of the whole school and you think when i say it hit, i didn't expect to be hit by a freight train that i'm lying i get hit by a fucking freight train and started crying so definitely a testament to how well this show ha has been written directed and performed as of right now so i it's very strong to me one of the stronger ones from the spring season mm-hmm uh, okay, so let's go to me. So I had actually watched at least the first three episodes in the Japanese, uh, just to get a sense of what the show was was like, and I, I genuinely really like it. And I, I like the Japanese a lot, but I found myself enjoying the dub a little bit more. Not because the Japanese track was bad, not by any any sense of the, uh, the imagination. I think the Japanese track is is really good too, even if I'm. Okay, I'm not- I'm familiar with the actor- the seiyus in the Japanese. Like, I brought up, like, the gentleman who plays Kyo is- uh, is Chika. Brain words hard. I'm Udo. tired. Taste the dragon. Um. <laughs> God damn it. I- I call him- Okay, I call him Chika only because my mom would call him that. Like, I'd also like to point out I watched the first five episodes of the show with my mom. And she really likes this, by the way. Um, I love your mom, by the way. But I think the dub really excels. And and that's actually one of the things I want to bring up is that my mom really enjoyed this. Like, my mom watches a lot of anime. And just to give you kind of a a, a, a different thing to this. Uh, today alone, as of the day of this recording, I watched three different shows outside with her uh, in earshot. Those being uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Black Clover, and this. And she enjoyed this the most. Black, uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, she wasn't as much paying attention to because my mom doesn't really, like, pay attention to the subtitled stuff. But my mom finds Black Clover to be obnoxious because it's too loud, it's too screamy, and she doesn't know what's going on. It's a fun but this, she... Though. I love... I Okay, I really like Black Clover, and I like its dub a lot. The ultimate, redemption, mom, the ultimate redemption arc is... The ultimate redemption arc is that I Black. like Black Clover now. Yeah. <laughs> I love Black Clover. Um, but no, just to, to kind of give uh, more praise to Kristen T is that my mom really enjoyed the show. My mom really enjoyed a lot of the vocal work. Her description of Chica is he sounds like he's been to jail. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. You gotta that's get my the mom's description sentence. of. Oh, Kudo. Oh, no. Kudo doesn't sound too old. Kudo just sounds like he's been to jail. Um, <laughs> Kudo sounds like he's street savvy. This is my mother's my mother's thing. My mom, like, genuinely would get a lot of laughs at stuff. She would get a lot of laughs at how Hozaki would turn and the acting on it. So I really want to do, I really, really want to uh, give Tia a lot of credit for her casting. Well, because this is, here's the thing. Like, my mom has watched a lot. Like, has watched some anime. My mom has, like, watched Attack on Titan stuff. Uh, my mom can't identify voice actors. Like, at all. My mom, the, there is one voice actor my mom can identify, and that's Monica Rial. Because my mom has seen all of Ghost Stories. And she knows Monica Rial as the little Christian girl. 
You're laughing, but it's true. That's amazing. That is the only voice actor my mom knows. I, I am impressed that you watched Ghost. Wait, did you watch? Did you? Did your mother watch Ghost Stories with you, or did she watch what? it like independently of you? Hold on, come here, come here. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Mom, what do you, do you like? Mom, we're talking about the show we were watching outside. Do you like the Kono? You like the dub of it? Yes. Say it louder, so yes. Can... Thanks, Yay! Mom. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Drag uh, Mom into it. Secret she fifth came... member, <laughs> Megan's mom. My mom literally just came in because I started talking about ghost stories, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, I love your mom. That was... that You'd think that was me doing a voice. No, she just came in here. No, I um, know. I could tell. <laughs> so so here's the thing. Well, for me, the, uh, especially... I would say a little bit more uh, Takizo's voice. Tia tends to cast this person a lot more. Uh... I think that she did a really good job creating a really nice ensemble. I think that the secondary cast is also really fun. Uh, and I really do want to give Kristen a lot of credit because she does, like Steph says, she's really good at writing high school uh, dramedies. Interviews with Monster Girls is still one of my favorite scripts. Suki Gakure is still one of my favorite scripts. Uh, this is up there too. Um, somebody, I know another site said that the writing for Kudo slash Chika sounded too angry but then again like kudo's gone through a lot of shit he's allowed to be a little crumpy as falls kudo is very misunderstood i have a question is this in regards to the show itself or the dub the dub okay because it seems like a very misunderstood boy kudos okay kudos deal is that he's basically a high school bakugo au fan fiction god damn it like we're really going there yes we are because even before somebody put it into words for me you could basically pretend kona oto tomare is basically a deku bakugo high school au fan fiction god damn it and yes takizo is deku god damn it i have no idea who hosaki would be in this scenario but uh, she's way too no offense she's way too much of a bitch to be ochako would she be Toga? I was just thinking that! <laughs> oh, this is great. Anyways, hold on to this thought for a later section. Oh, Jesus. Okay, because apparently it's like the the, stri the the Jap, the English script doesn't use as much like delinquent slang, but like I think that you can, I think the way that it was adapted works around that really well. Like, like I, I, you don't, like, that's the thing is, like, I don't feel like, that's the thing about adaptations, is, like, God, I want to get into this, but I also really want to save this for another episode I'm on! Mm. Where it's, like, sometimes being, like, a one-to-one -one translation, like, with slang and, like, certain terminology, like, it can get a little rough, because it's that, it's that weird thing that you're walking on edge where it's, like, do you, like, you need to make this approachable for people, like, as much as I really like things, sometimes when I hear, like, senpai and stuff in shows, and I'm like, like I said, I watch a lot, of, like, I watch some stuff with my mom. She doesn't know what the fuck that means. And I have to, like, when sometimes when it's said, I have to kind of look at her, she's like, what does that mean? Or, like, why are they doing that? And I have to explain things to her, like, I have to be translator notes because I've watched a lot of anime and she hasn't. Right. Like, it, so it's like, I don't, 
that's the thing with adaptation. It makes it more approachable. Like, not everyone's going to, like, be able to just be like, and you can't always just go, like, hey, Google, what does senpai mean? Because Google Home's a dumbass. Mm. Um, Siri isn't the brightest light. So, I think that Kristen does a really good job of this. And, yeah, Hozuki's a little angry. I think that's kind of the point of his character, is that so many people judge him for it. They judge the book by his cover that they don't get to know him. And I think Kristen's writing really plays that up. Because it does help make a lot of... It made a lot of, like, why Hozuki is kind of an asshole to him uh, hit Chica. a lot harder. Chica. No, Hozuki who's an asshole to Chika. Oh, okay. Because remember, Hozuki says some pretty awful things to him. Yeah. Okay, okay. I... And, like, the way that his personality and stuff does... And I think she also gets the comedy really well. Like, the whole, uh... I know Andrew's like, how did you make that sound with my fingers? Is really good. One of my other personal favorite parts being, um, what was it? The turn from them fawning over the, the three morons fawning over Hoseki turning to Chica and one of them goes, you can't talk to a woman like that. And it's just really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, little do they know. No. <laughs> dumb, dumb and dumber. Dumb, dumb and dumb. Anyway. I think that we're good covering the writing in the direction. I think we're all pretty much in agreement. That is a really solid effort. Uh, I would say this is this is up there for me in terms of the simuldubs. I mean, to me, there's like an obvious clear cut one that's like my absolute favorite, but that one has a lot going for it and a lot of bias behind it. So more on that uh, later. More on that. More on that in like a year from now. Um. Whoops. Any. Anyway, it's Fruits Basket. Guys, it's fucking Fruits Basket. Um, so, are we good to move on? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Speaking of Fruits Basket... <laughs> no, kidding. So, first up, we have to have some uh, minor characters. So, we're going to call these two the side that wants to keep the Kodo Club and the side that doesn't. Which would be the principal and the vice principal. The principal of the high school is a... Uh, old friend of Hozuki's grandfather and was a member of the Kodo Club way back in the day. Whoa, also, not dude Hozuki. Played... Not Hozuki. Chika. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. Chika's sorry. Chik Kudo slash Chika's Anger Boy. Anger Boy's grandpa. Um, and he also plays the long game. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, the principal plays the long game because he could totally have them not have had to prove themselves to the vice principal. He just didn't because he wanted to hear them all play together. I I just wanted to see what the fuck would happen. Also known, more like also known as, fuck you, vice principal. Yeah, you down you, these kids. <laughs> vice principal, his character trait is that he hates Coat Kudo and thinks that he's a delinquent and wants to get rid of him and all of his little delinquent friends and he's an evil evil person. So, uh, I have no... What? He's got liver lips. He's got really ugly lips. His lips look like liver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, it's Principal Liver Lips. Oh god. It's Principal Liver... It works, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, now that I've interrupted your flow. Oh no, it's okay. I also realized that as of uh, recording tonight, Game of Thrones ends, so... Uh, oh, yeah. Be oh, yeah. Oh, no. I basically know as so soon as this call's done, I'm going to basically see the entire internet on fire. I'm excited. <laughs> You're just like, 
Go on. Go on. If you want to talk about a show really damaging some dragons. Womp womp. Mm, womp womp. Alright. But up up but up up. So does anybody have predictions for principal and vice principal liver lips? No. I did not have predictions for these characters. No, I didn't either. Alright, so playing the principal is Kent Williams and playing the vice principal is Chris Rager. Kent Williams you'll know as the judge in Ace Attorney, Hatori Soma in Fruits Basket, also a dragon. You're not and wrong! Old Junker and, and, You're not wrong. An old Junker in Planetarian. I also, I almost, I put the judge in Ace Attorney, and then I immediately flashed back to the incredibly awful, naughty blooper he has. Oh no. I'm gonna pitter pitter all over them tits. Ah. <laughs> uh. Ace bloopers are Ace amazing. Ace Attorney games, how dare you put that image in my head? How dare you befoul the good sweet judge? Blame Kyle! Fine, I blame you, Kyle. Blame Kyle, it's all Kyle's spills. Good job, Kyle. <laughs> Alright, Chris Regal, Chris Regal, Chris, Re Chris Reg Megan can read. Gore. Rager. <laughs> Rager. Chris Rager, you'll know his characters such as Gakuho Asano. Uh, in Assassination Classroom, uh, Zenburu Gugu in Gugu. <laughs> His name is Gugu. That's a really stupid. <laughs> is that from a light novel? Overlord. Yes. It's Overlord. Mr. Gugu. Okay, that Mr. makes a Gugu, lot of sense. Are you sure? one of the massive lizard men in the second season, by the way. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Megan, you. You wrote this. How did you not know this? I didn't sound it out as I wrote it. <laughs> in, Over in Overlord Season 2 and Season 3, and Dagger Morse and Chope I Rock. You really, you really just picked the silly Google. names for this section, didn't you? Well, Megan dies really, in the corner. No, what am I... No, I have a thing where, like, I like to pick out the most interesting sounding names. Like when I like when I was going through for laughing under the clouds, I picked one for uh, Josh that his character's name was Andy W. Hole. Yeah, she did. Powers making holes. That's absolutely. I love light novel. I love European light novel names. But even then, nothing is going to top in my heart. Heavy object Enrico Vajardo's slatter honeysuckle. That's a thing. Heavy object is a taboo tattoo, baby. Anyways, uh, oh wait, no, that's how that. What? Sorry, go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so, uh, principal is a good boy, and he is very respectful to his students, and he seems to be friends and acquaintances with the nice Koto lady and Chica's grandfather, and he seems like a good, chill dude who doesn't accuse students on their looks. Kent Williams is very soft-spoken, but authoritative and respectful and strong-sounding, as Kent Williams often does. Chris Rager is also very strong and authoritative, but he sounds like an asshole. I will say, I think it's a little... I'll say this. I... I had a little bit of trouble getting into Kona Oto for a little bit for a specific reason, and that's kind of because I don't mind drama. I don't mind high school drama. I don't mind personal drama and all that. I feel it was bordering on, at least in some of the earlier episodes, 
hardcore melodrama stuff that seemed a little bit, like, ridiculous and a little bit out there. Like, for God's sake, a kid beats another kid with a baseball bat and, like, whacks him in the head in the school. Why did you think this was an idea? And they that happens, and it's like, oh, you're here. Uh, guilty, guilty, expulsion, expulsion. Uh, Look, are there... there is a point to it, though. I understand. Look, I understand the dramatic point of getting to that scene, but getting to that seemed a little bit exaggerated, stupid, and forced. And I will also say... The vice principal's hate boner for this kid is a little bit much, but Chris Rager does a fantastic job at selling me on this hate boner. But another thing is that it's literally... I, I enjoy the concept of the bet to keep the club going because it's basically a... Uh, what's it called? Uh, the save the rec center trope? That's basically what is happening here. Kinda, but yeah. But I, I guess so. But I wasn't also sure of being like, Hey kids, this is the Koto Club. If you think they suck, they're fucked. Have fun. It's like, why would you as a authority- I want to punt him into the sun. Why would a teacher with a paying job who wishes to continue to have this paid job be like, Hey, so I'm going to expose these high school students because this one kid sucks. So if you laugh at them because they suck, that's cool. And the principal should immediately go up to him and be like, You're fucking fired. That well, should be how that goes. Really, it's not real, really a probable cause for termination i don't think you are shaming and this like school is run by this i mean i mean andrew is this it's... school run by the same guy who this is the same school run by a guy who probably let non-toy gucci in <laughs> I mean, that I mean, andrew, is a very andrew, deep if, cut andrew if playing persona games has taught me nothing else is that the japanese school system is horribly corrupt and incredibly terrible towards the students so. It would not surprise me if this character is a Kamoshida. If you know what that means, I just said something deep. Anyways, Chris Rager does a very good job being this slimy principal. He is the second slimiest principal in his anime career. Topped only by Asano from Assassination Classroom. And I'm done. Uh, yeah, I, I also enjoyed these two performances. Uh, Kent Williams is a lot of fun. He's very... Uh, you know he's very dignified. He's very grandfatherly. He's got uh, he's got a little bit of mischief in him, because uh, as we point out, he could very easily shut down the vice principal's plan. But uh, he's he's playing the long game. He knows that they have a, an external pressure to bat combat against the club. Will, club will pull together and uh, put on a good performance, which I think means this is now the uh, break into Electric Boogaloo of uh, anime about Kodos. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Canon Films. Um, but uh, he—he's—he's he's a very fun performance. Uh, he's just—he's—he's like—he's just—he's like—he's got the right level of like lightness to his performance while still having that kind of gravitas. So when they're having like serious conversations and dramatically lit rooms, it, it feels very—you uh, know—it it doesn't feel forced. It feels authentic and uh, appropriate. Um, he's very nice, uh, even if he's a little bit of a sly bastard. 
Um, and Chris Rager. We all love Chris Rager. He's he's great at playing terrible people. <laughs> I'm uh, I, I know I know I know this. I've seen I've seen Yamato uh, twenty one ninety nine. He's great in there, playing the worst. He is. He the is. vice the vice principal isn't quite that bad since I don't think he's committed any war crimes yet. Um, but he but, is uh, nowhere near as sexually attractive. Well, of course not. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? Everybody wants to fuck Albert Dessler. Everybody wants to fuck Dessler, babe. Don't Des question Des it. Dessler, Dessler is evil but handsome. The worst combination. Oh, God. Should I be concerned, Andrew? Not at all. I think are, Hardy are for? Are you going to leave me for Dessler? Is this how this is going to go today? No, I'm Steph, not going to leave you for a blueberry Steph, space Nazi. Steph, 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 <laughs> Steph, if your boyfriend leaves you for a fictional space Nazi, that's a bullet dodged. <laughs> Gonna be frank with you here. This is true. You know what? This is true. Right. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, I had, a, I had a point I was making. Chris Rager's very good here. Um, he 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 sells those liver lips. He sounds exactly like the kind of. Uh, sort of obnoxious, kind of prissy, power-mad guy who uh, knows exactly how much of his authority he can overstep before he'll get in trouble, and does that all the goddamn time. Um, he is a... I, I potentially look forward to him getting some comeuppance in episode 6, which I have not seen yet. Although, given the tone of the show, he could very easily just continue to be a nuisance, because who else is going to be the, the villain show if not him? Yeah, hopefully they'll just go on to having to compete with like other Kodo clubs, but I don't know. I haven't, I'm not familiar with this property. I don't know what happens. Um, but yes, they are they are both very delightful in their own ways, uh, and I look forward to hearing at least one of them more in the future as the show goes on. So as we're sitting here talking about this, I came to realization this dynamic is very very similar to another show, a much older show. Where the principal is all good and supportive and is all for the underdog and, like, rooting for the delinquents that are more than what they appear. And the, and the vice principal basically, like, being a dick and stereotyping delinquents. Have y'all ever heard of a show called Great Teacher Onizuka before? Yes, I have. Oh my yes. god, he's the GTO guy! This is he basically GTO! Looks like him! He does look like him! <laughs> Granted, I haven't finished watching Great Teacher Onizuka, but, like, I remember the first few episodes very vividly because the vice principal is a fucking asshole. And, oh my god. <laughs> this makes so much sense now. Anyway. Shit. GTO is a show that is very much a product of his time and does not quite work as well in the year 2019. But yet it has some fun tropes like that. Uh, anyways, so, Ken Williams is a nice, nice, kind principal, sir. Very, very nice person. Like I said, he's rooting for the little guy. He doesn't judge a book by its cover. Though, he can be a little too soft, and I don't, I'm like, Andrew, I'm like, why is he letting the vice principal run rampant? But I guess he also is just, like, waiting for the day where, the, where it comes by to, back to bite him in the ass. <sighs> Fuck, it's getting that time of night, and that's not good. Um... Ugh, gotta stay awake. Anyway, so, Ken Williams, I love him the pieces. He's just very sweet, and he's very supportive. Such a good, good old man. Um, Chris Rager's a dick. <laughs> Not even sugarcoating it. I want to punch, I want to punch the vice principal into the sun. 
But that's not saying that Chris Rager is terrible in his performance. That's actually good. When you make me want to punt you, your character into the sun, you're done good, sir. Uh, yeah, the vice principal is an asshole. I'm similar to Andrew is like, why would you say, look here, these guys, if these guys are terrible, don't be afraid to show it. But at the same time, I don't think that's probable cause for him to get fired, but you know, case at, le at least reprimanded as a teacher. That's just irresponsible. What's also kind of weird as I'm sitting here thinking about it even more is this is almost the dynamic of my high school <laughs> principals, actually. Oh, dear. My... Good lord. Yeah, okay. almost. It, it, but more on the lines of my principal, she was sweet and very supportive of all the students, and she loved the arts so much. I had two vice principals. Both of them were very heavy into athletics. <laughs> of course. So they weren't exactly as supportive of the arts as they should be. But, you know... Okay, sirrah, sirrah. Anyway, but yeah, both these performances, they are, they're fun and they're good. And they have a good um, counterbalance to each other. But, but yeah, I want to see, I want to see Chris Rager's vice principal get launched into space orbit. Very, very badly. Mm. You don't judge a book by its cover, ladies and gentlemen. You just don't. Don't be that asshole. Don't be the vice principal, ever. In your school, ever. Never, ever, ever. But yeah, both of these performances, I enjoy them a lot. Call-outs to all vice principals listening to our podcast. Fuck <laughs> Don't off. Don't be a dick. Don't be an asshole. Alright, so I guess I'll go. So, I don't have a lot to say. Ken Williams is just a delightfully cheerly, old, cheery older man who's quite clearly just, I think, fucking trolling around for the greater good. Uh, he's really enjoyable to listen to. Chris... Chris liver <laughs> Chris liver lips is that what you're saying? Vice principal Vice principal Liz I keep no Chris Rager does not have liver lips. Chris Rager's a nice man. Oh god, Vice Principal I wanna say he looks like he has lips that have given very bad blowjobs. Oh <laughs> I oh okay. Alright. Oh. I'm tired. I've tasted the dragon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh boy. We, we, not like that. This is going to be an interesting night. We're only an hour in, boys not and like girls. That. We haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes not of like it. Not like that. Oh God, we're, we're already an hour in. Jesus Christ. Oh God. Uh, Chris Rager is uh, evil and he's he's good. He's, very pa he's a very serviceable uh, member of the ensemble cast. Uh, I kind of hope that he gets his just desserts. Uh... Pun him to the it's, sun. It's it's a lot less it's a lot less sexy evil than like Doc, uh, Asano or like Dessler, but it it's it's good. All right, so moving on to good old people. Yeah, I love Granny. So let's talk about I guess like like we can just call them the Kudo Support Squad. They I are mean, they these are, are the people that like it. actually. They're like Kudo's best. They're like Kudo's like moral supports, and they're two old people and a and like a, another guy, and his best. I guess like I guess you could say his best friend before he goes into high school. So there is Shizu. Shizu owns a music shop that helps repair the Kodos for the the club. She also uh, gives them practice space and and the like. Again, is Kudo's grandfather who loved him very much, even though uh, after Kudo's dad just basically said, "Get the fuck out of my house." Um, 
Kudo's dad is also an asshole. He very much he was a coat he was a Kodo maker. He very much loved his grandson. It was his shop that got destroyed by Kudo's ex delinquent, I guess, pal around, who dressed up as him and then he died a couple days later. Yep. Yep. And then there's Tetsuki Takuoka, who is uh, Kudo's friend, who really started kind of pulling him out of delinquency. He was very much the one to go pick him up at night and bring him home and give him a place to go. Uh, I do not have predictions for Shizu or Gen, but I do have one for Tetsuki. I have one for Tetsuki as well. I do not. And I know Andrew and Amon said they they don't have predictions for the segment. I only have predictions for like the main three, basically. Okay, cool. So, Steph, who did you have? Um, I get, again, I pulled a Megan. So I was on Skype with Megan earlier. She showed me pictures and gave me names of characters. And I based it off of that. Um, knowing nothing else. So for Tetsuki, I have three. Because they seem like mature, kind of like good moral support figures. Uh, my three predictions were Micah Solasad, Matt Shipman, and Rico Fajardo. Okay, cool. So, my predictions for Tetsuki were Rika Fajardo or Brandon McGinnis. I know that they're both gentlemen who can do the kind of qualmer, uh, like, teenage boy voice. Who are also just very, they can be very soothing when they're not screaming their heads off. Uh, Also be, no wait, I hadn't started Black Clover by then. I wasn't in my, like, Finral is best boy kick because Finral is best boy and Brandon is great. Finral is best boy! Um, Finral is the best! Fenrir's the best character in Black Clover. Also, uh, Nozelle can go eat a dick, and so can Solid. Longris Especially can Solid. Longris, I want. Longris, Longris, aka Irredeemable Bakugo. I will put um, that motherfucker into the Can go side. to hell. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. Sorry. So, but of course, uh, we are both wrong. So, playing Shizu is Linda Leonard. Playing Gen is Charlie Campbell. And playing uh, Tetsuki is Robert McCollum. What? She's... Yeah. It's Robert McCollum. Linda Leonard, you'll know as characters such as Martha in Maria the Virgin Wished, Josu Kase in Psychopaths, and Sister Teresa... Ru- <laughs> I almost said Sister Teresa RuPaul. <laughs> oh. oh, God. That, that is not an image I need in my life right now. Please, please talk about literally anything else. Sister Teresa Rapal in Black Clover. Uh, Charlie Campbell, you'll know says such characters as Hugus. <laughs> what? She's her and her weird. It's like H U G U E S. Hugus Argu in Lord Marksman and Vanities. Keichiro Koibuchi in Princess Jellyfish and Gran Torino in My Hero Academia. Hugus. Robert McCauley and you'll- Robert McCauley- Sorry, Megan can read. <clears throat> Robert McCauley- God damn it! Robert McCollum. I can- Lum. I can read. Robert McCollum, you'll know his character such as Julius Novo Chrono in Black Clover, Seijiro Mikoshiba in Free, and Steph's favorite human being character ever made, Shirasu Kinjo in Laughing Under the Clouds. Another fucker I want to put into the sun. Cool! <laughs> Andrew, talk about RuPaul. God damn it. No. <laughs> but not? I will talk but... about Shizu, Gen, and Tetsuki. 
so Shizu is a very nice crotchety old lady who's very much a master of what she does. She seems like she knows what she's doing. She seems like a very stern yet supportive grandy. Granny. Grandy. Grandy. The kind that'll kick your ass, but will still be like, you know what, you're doing okay, kid. I'll give you a hug and you're crying. But still kick you in your ass when you deserve it. Like, literally, like, I don't have any money. Here's a coupon for free massages for at least ten times. And then just punches all of them. It's just like, <laughs> hey, you deserve to hear at least a little more good music before you die. And then she punches <laughs> them again. Which they deserved. They deserved. Well deserved. I'm not familiar with Linda as much as, like, I am some, like, other older lady actresses at Funimation, so it was interesting hearing the particular tone of voice she was using, but she was very convincing, and, uh, her voice perfectly matched, uh, the character of Shizu. Uh, Charlie Campbell is a very stern and fun older figure, and I'm very familiar with his particular voice, especially as Gran Torino. He doesn't quite sound as, like, senile, but he sounds as stern and supportive as him. Uh, it's really sweet to see, like, he's willing to kick, uh, his grandson's ass when he's being a brat, but he still loves and supports him, and it's actually really nice to see those scenes of the flashback during during the concert performance when they are getting along and he makes uh some rice balls and he talks about and they're animal shaped and he talks about how they're very delicious and that actually makes chica laugh where not only was that pun good it's just that's a really sweet cute moment and they really communicated that relationship very well even though this character is no longer with us and i think charlie sells that spectacularly as for Tetsuki, might I continue a thought I had from earlier? Oh no, where sure. is this about to go? Remember when I said that Kono Oto Tomare could basically be a Deku Bakugo high school AU fan fiction? Where are you going with this? Let's say you have some problems with the Deku Bakugo ship. Let's say you have some issues with the character dynamic between those two, and let's say I you personally God, are hear, more of a Bakugo Kirishima shipper. Tetsuki is the Kota Ototobare AU. Oh, I thought you were gonna Kirishima. say. I thought you were gonna bring Toto Bako. Toto what? Oh, I thought you were gonna call him Todoroki. No, I was gonna say he's the Kirishima because he's the stern and supportive. Does this make Hozuki? Oh my God, no! Hozuki is Todoroki. Fuck! <laughs> I thought he was gonna make a stain joke, but you know. <laughs> no, I wasn't even thinking stain. I mean, this. Okay, I see why you think stain, but no, this character is Kirishima because he's the. Why big would anybody want? Why would anybody want to see Stain fuck Bakugo? Ew. Look we here, are moving away from that McCollum, thought right? immediately. Robert McCollum is a very... Like, he's gruff, but he does a actually fairly convincing job at making me believe, like, this is an older-looking character, even though he is still the same age as this character. He's stern, supportive, and caring, and he gives a lot of tough love and is willing to kick an ass or two. And 
yeah, I think Rob does a very good job. I like seeing his very calm but snarky reactions to Chica as well as I love when he goes to those bullies and he's like, Hey guys, how are you doing? I'm gonna fuck you up. <sighs> but I actually also really like the flashback stuff where he's getting emotional. He's like, you asshole. I care for you, you dumbass. And that's how immediately, like, okay, yeah, this is Bakugo Kirishima. Like, I know I keep harping on that, but that's the immediate thing I keep thinking of. But Rob does a good job, and I very much enjoyed all of these characters a lot, and I enjoy the uh, Chica uh, cheerleader support group, where it's basically like Chica saying, I have done nothing wrong in my entire life, and Tezuki is like, I know this and I love you. Can I say one thing? You may. Andrew, have you seen Maria the Virgin Witch? I have seen Maria the Virgin Witch. Linda Leonard is also Martha. I know, she said that. No, she didn't. Yeah, she did. Clearly, I'm not paying attention. I need to go to bed. I'm sorry. Sweetie, you need to stay awake a little no! longer. No, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. <laughs> sorry. Amon, go ahead. You should go. I need to go actually get a drink, so I'll be right back. But just keep going. Okay. Uh, yes, these are uh, another another fine set of performances. Um, Linda Leonard's really fun as uh, Shizu, just as a she's a good old woman. Uh, she's just, she's got that, she just, she's, she's got that wisdom in her voice. But many years of working at the same thing. Uh, and knowing what she's talking about, but also, um, being far too old to take any crap from these dumb children who keep hanging around her shop after hours. And trying to practice, and trying to pay her off with, uh, things she does not want, like massages from weird teenagers. Um, but she, she, she has that, she has that nice sympathetic side to her as well that comes out in some of the more emotional scenes. And she, 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 she nails that as well, I think. She's, she's got a good balanced performance here, uh, between the sillier and, uh, more dramatic things going on. Um, who else? Uh, Charlie Campbell's also really good. I think, uh, we think Andrew kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head as far as what, uh, I thought as well. Uh, he's, you know, he's good at playing, you know, sympathetic old men and, I think he really, uh, he, he has a good performance here. He really sells his character's relationship with Chica. It's just a really well-done performance in general. I like it a lot. I do like that he keeps showing up even though he's technically dead. There's more to explore in his and Chica's relationship uh, than just what we are kind of introduced to in the first couple episodes. And I like that. It, 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 it helps sell how important that relationship was to him, even though it was clearly kind of messy and conflicted for Chica in the moment. It's kind of like my roommate in, is a cat, where it's like the parents are dead, but they are a very recurring uh, yes, absolutely. character. I mean, that's a very different kind of recurring character. <laughs> but, you know. Same effect, though. Mm -hmm. The grandfather's not around as a ghost, Steph. Same effect, though. Ah, fine. Thematically you, you, speaking. You, you, you and your correct opinions. Look Just because you are correct doesn't mean you are right. I mean, Shut she is up. she is right. That's fine. Annoying. <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, it's a very it's a good performance. I'm enjoying it. And uh, Robert Robert's also very good as um, Tetsuki. Uh, and, and just for the same way, like he 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 sounds older than the other characters, but not so much that it's out of step with like the character design or how old you think he should be. He just feels a little more. Uh, not worldly, just a little more grounded than Chica. He's a good foil to him in the sense that he, uh, 
empathizes a lot with Chica, but also has had a much... It seems like a much more stable life, and consequently has a much cooler head. Uh, and he's uh, just, he just he's a nice wall for Chica to bounce off of. It's also interesting how he, he is, like... He's, he and Chica have such a divine relationship, even though he is not a part of the social group that we're following most of the time. And I, I find that dynamic interesting. And I think um, Robert helps bring that out of like how this is kind of like Chica's confidant who's aware of what's going on, but isn't a part of it himself. I think that's I think he plays that very well. Um, so yeah, these are, these are just a, a very nice, strong set of performances. Good, good. The kind of good, solid supporting characters you need in a drama like this to make everything work. Okay. Go ahead, Steph. I'm gonna start with the easy ones, i.e. Linda and Charlie. Um, they are they are just good supportive grandparent types. Like Charlie's adorable. Charlie Campbell is adorable. He's just he's um he's not he's one of the few confidants that Kudo really has in the show. Um, while he is alive. And because one of the more poignant scenes for Gen as a character is um, when Kudo has run off and he's gone into these damn fights again, or he's angry at Grandpa and he's coming back and he's hiding in an, he's hiding off the side of the building because he sees his grandfather outside waiting for him, and this neighbor or someone in their neighborhood goes and I'm like, why do you even care about this kid? He's nothing but trouble to you. He's like. He's still my grandson, and I want to be his grandfather for him. Like, Charlie's Gen is just so supportive. He's he's a tough, tough grandpa, but he also is, like, such a sweetheart. He's so adorable, and I love him to pieces. The When Kudo smiles, like, an actual genuine smile for the first time ever in his life, probably. Charlie's like, I thought you weren't, you were ever, you would never smile. And he just starts tearing up. It was like, oh my god, that's so precious. Um, and as for Linda Leonard, I love Linda's character. She's probably one of my favorite characters in the whole show because she's just snarky and wonderful. And I love every second of it. Like, she doesn't take shit from no one. And at the same time, though, similar to Charlie Campbell's Gen, Linda Leonard also portrays her as this very wise and kind of a really nice parental figure of sorts to not only Kudo, but to all of the kids in the Koto Club, really. Mostly to Kudo, though, because she has a strong connection to his grandfather anyway. And um, she's just very, very supportive and very kind, and you can just tell that through Linda's performance. To, 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 to quote my reaction, when Megan told me earlier today that Robert McCollum was uh, Tetsuki. What? What? It's true. It's true. And I was very, very thrown off by it. Because it's been a hot second since Robert McCollum has played a teenage kind of character to me. But as I was watching it, you want to know what this character actually reminded me of? Who? Morty from Orin High School Host Club. Morty never talked that much, though. He may not have talked that much, but he was also like a gentle giant of sorts at the same time. Like a kind, gentle giant and also like this moral center. Like if Robert, if 
Tetsuki is the Morty, Kuro would probably be the Honey Senpai because he's all spastic and all over the place half the fucking time, but more oh, of a delinquent. Oh, that is such a weird image. Just it is a weird it. image, but you know, it kind of works. And I think, given that, in my in my in my mindset, if I equate Morty uh, to Tetsuki, and then like if we all recall, Travis Willingham voices Morty, and that's a Mori like seashells. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting casting choice in and of itself. So like thinking kind of similar lines with that, I can kind of I can definitely see why the choice is made here. But at the same time, though, Robert is a very interesting like moral ground and very good support system. He's a good friend. He's a very good friend to Kudo. Like just them, the two of them bouncing off each other is just great. Because Kudo's no um. I almost called him Mori again. Tetsuki! <laughs> Tetsuki is like, uh, sorry, I don't know what happened. He's homesick. And he's just, he's just so supportive. And he also wants to kick Kudo's butt. Like, why did you do something so stupid? Why won't you stop being stupid sometimes? And it's, it's an odd choice on paper. When you think about it. It, on paper, it looks really strange. Seems kind of weird. But in reality, once you really hear Robert go into this character a bit more, it's you really get into it a lot. Some people write it off as, oh, this is Robert's tools for this character, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, in my mind, it's like, no. You know what? Tatsuki is a very good moral center. He's a very good support system for Kudo, given all the shit that Kudo has gone through in the show. This is the perfect person to play this role, in all honesty to me. So I really enjoyed Robert a lot as um, Tetsuki, even though I was also surprised at first that this was Robert McCollum. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Alright, so Linda Leonard's performance was, I think, the one my mom was like honestly getting into kind of a lot. She laughed at a lot of her reaction and delivery. And the fact that this little old lady would like whack Kubo Kudo over the head. And I I like that she she and and this is something I really I always like to point out with um with acting in English is that Gen and Shizu look like they are different ages. Like she is very and she has the look of the very stereotypical little old anime lady. And Linda plays her a little older than uh, Charlie plays Gen. Mm -hmm. Gen sounds a little bit more like 60, maybe like late 50s, early 60s. And Linda sounds maybe like 70, 80. As, as Shizu. And it works. And it, it sometimes got me a little bit and it took me like a second to get back into it. But I think she did a really great job. She doesn't become more overbearing than the rest of the main cast. Uh, Charlie Campbell was a really good job of just being a genuinely nice person slash trying to rein in a delinquent. And for me, the most poignant scene with him is uh, actually when he at one point looks at uh, Kudo with an injury on his hand. Mm. And he says the line, your hands shouldn't be made for uh, hurting people. They should be made for uh, making beautiful things or something. I yes. think was the line. I love that. Mm. And the way that mm. he delivers it is just so genuinely peaceful and genuinely like a 
you are you are wasting your life running out and fighting people and stuff. You can be so much more. Stop trying to injure and use this for good. And he does a really great job with it. Uh, Robert McCollum as uh, Tetsuki is very, very much like, I'm I'm okay with it. Like, I don't think he sounds too old. I think he sounds just fine. Um, he doesn't, like, when I think of, like, too old for, for a high schooler, like, I don't know. I just don't think of Robert McCollum's performance in this being, like, too old. I think that he sounds a little older and a little bit more mature, but not like, hey, this is a 40-year-old man or like this is a 30-year-old man. Um, I really think that Tetsuki uh, and Robert's performance gets to shine when he's the one like, dude, you can't keep sleeping on my couch. I'm taking you home. Like that type of stuff. I thought those moments were fantastic. And um, it's just really hard to explain that I that I just genuinely just really really like this character. I really like this performance, and that she's and that all these guys do a good job working into the ensemble cast of the show without overtaking the main characters. I really do hope that um you would get to see Tatsuki a little bit more. Because I do think that Robert, especially bouncing off of uh, Kudo's actor as well as the next three characters that were talked to, he makes a very good, calm, calmer, more neutral sounding counterbalance to the group that we're about to talk to. So are we good to move on? I mm-hmm. love to talk about chaotic, dumb, and horny. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Why are you talking about yourself? I identify with these characters quite so. So oh, you're telling me up- you're telling me you're three characters in one. What is what does that say about me, Stephanie? I'm not sure where this joke is going. I don't know either. I walked back in on something really weird. Okay. Stephanie, sweetie, it's, one it's- for each hole. <laughs> and there it is. We're taking a lot of stuff out of this episode, aren't we? <laughs> and there it yep. I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop making it so easy. <sighs> God damn it. So let's talk about the Kodo Club Saviors. They are Sanyasu Adachi or Sane, uh, Mitsuchaka Sakai, Mitsu, and Kota, Mizuhara or Kota. They can be described as flamboyant, fat, <laughs> no, sorry. They can be described as flamboyant, chubs, and nugget. <laughs> Because Koda's a chicken nugget. That's Nugget. <laughs> I refuse to call him by his actual name or his nickname. His name is now Nugget. <laughs> God damn it. So, uh, but basically, uh, Sane is the kind of taller, like, longer-haired one who immediately starts hitting on uh, Hozuki when she first appears. Uh, Mitsu is the bigger, chubbier, pink-haired guy. And Koda is the tiny little blonde one that you just want to put into your pocket. And he's very, very, very hyper. Um, so, I have predictions for all of these. I know Steph has predictions for all yep, of these. Yep, again, I pulled a Megan and tried making predictions based on what they look like. And then, I know uh, Amon has no predictions at all, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's okay, you were busy and you got to meet your hero. I did get to meet my hero. It was very exciting. I hate you so much. I'm so jelly. You could have gotten to Canada. I don't have a fucking passport. 
For context. And whose fault is that? Look for context. Uh, I didn't for know context. About this until you fucking mentioned it. Like, Let me explain the context. Amon got to meet Junji Ito. That's you why bet. Steph's mad. You bet I fucking did. Bastard. By the way, Steph, you can remember there is a way to get your rehabilitation You and get your passport. You've just got to go to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> no. Anyway, Steph, say who your predictions are. Oh, sweet lord. Um, let's see. Now I gotta remember which fucking character is which. Um, I told you, Sane is the tall, the tall, like kind of longer haired one. Okay. My predictions for him, because he looks slightly punkish and delinquentish, kind of. Uh, Rico Fajardo, Eric Vale, and Micah Solosad. All right. Uh, Mitsu. Uh, Mitsu is the bigger guy. Um, fun people who voiced chubbier guys before. Chris George, because Tun is a sweetheart. Uh, Jared Green and Tyson Reinhardt. And then Nugget. <laughs> Nugget. Cute, adorable, hyper person. A lot of personality. Justin Briner, Clint Bickham, or Dallas Reed. Alright, cool. So my my predictions for Coda and Nugget were, also, were actually Justin Briner or Steven Fu. They are both energ can do energetic, younger-looking guys. Uh, my predictions for uh, Michitaka, the bigger dude, were Chris George, because he can do the big boy voice, and actually Dallas Reed, because he plays a bigger dude in another show this season and actually does a really good job You're at right. it. You're right! I forgot! Not saying who. And this is where you can tell that I predicted Kyle Phillips to fucking direct the show! Oh no. <laughs> so my predictions for Sane, uh, Sane Yasu were uh, Garrett Storms or Kyle Ignacy's. God damn it. Alright. I love I love Garrett Storm's work and I I'm not gonna lie that every time he fucking shows up in Black Clover is the exact moment my parent my dad walks out and I just cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Seke is cringe incarnate. He is. He's uh -huh. a disaster. Seke is always in your cringe compilation. Ah! Uh -huh. Aha! Aha! He's also on Yami's shit list. Mm. He got teleported. Uh, I'll I'll explain after the episode. Uh, so, I know exactly what you're talking about. Playing uh, Sane is Austin Tyndall. Playing uh, Mitsu is Anthony Bowling. And playing Kota is Josh Gurley. Again, Anthony. Uh, again, one more. What? <laughs> Austin Tyndall, you know, his characters such as Kaneki Ken in Tokyo Ghoul, Karma Akabani in Assassination Classroom, and Leopold Vermillion in Black Clover. Anthony Bowling, you'll know his characters as So. Shoji Suyama in Big Windup, Saddler in How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, and White Peak in Shimonetta. Josh Gurley, you'll know his characters such as Femt in Blood Blockade Battlefront and Blood Blockade Battlefront and Beyond, Ren Kanagi in Kazai no Sigma, and Yuri Kotsky in Yuri on Ice. Alright, talk about Nugget and Friends, Andrew. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I will start. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little mucus in my throat. I'll start with Anthony Bowling. He's a very big, he's a big boy. I think of the three characters, he was the one I was not able to really recognize right away. But I could very much tell he was doing a deeper register, but it definitely sounded like he was... Honestly, all three of these characters, for the most part, are kind of interchangeable. They're kind of like a trio of... They're a chaotic trio. They are they are a package deal for the most part, but they do have some scenes individually. I think he's the only one as of five episodes who hasn't really had like a standout moment. But he does say something that I did enjoy a lot, 
where he says at one point, we can't be embarrassed if we don't have any shame. Which, <laughs> fucking That's big right. mood if I've ever heard one. Ah! Um... God, I don't I, I just know them by their actors or the fucking nickname. So let's talk about Nugget. Uh, Josh is a very tiny baby boy in this, but he's got a very like high-pitched squeaky voice and he sounds like he's he sounds like he is the he sounds like he is trying to be the younger friend. Like he is not younger, but he is like acts more childish and cutesy and just looks very tiny but he's probably a lot wiser and more caring than he lets on i also think it's very funny about his particular register that josh is using because josh has a lot of different types of voice mm -hmm. this one is very funny to me because it's basically armin as a musician kind of is actually and this austin tyndall is uh have we done a music karma already? We have not. We have not. Oh, okay, because the backup would be good with his fingers, karma. Oh, no. <laughs> Technically, that's Kaneki. Damn it, you beat me to it. Fuck. God damn uh, it. Stop. All right, moving on. Uh, Austin Tyndall, I think he's, like, of the three, oh, has no. the most notable presence because he has those flashbacks where he, you show, see him being a punk and getting saved by Chica, and you can very much tell that he does care, and, like, they're a bunch of hoodlums, but they very much did care for this hoodlum with a heart of gold that just kind of on a whim stuck up for them, and they've been bros for life ever since. And they decide, hey, you're our bro! We're gonna learn how to play a 17-string instrument. Wait, how many? No, wait, it's not 17 13. strings. It's Eight. Thirteen. 13. The That's base still a is lot 17. Base is 17, though. Okay, the base is 17. That's where I got Basically, it's a lot of fucking strings on a giant hunk of wood. Just because he's our bro, we ride together, we die together. And they're all a bunch of fun characters. I think Josh, Austin, and Anthony Bowling are a ton of fun. And they all complement each other very well. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm in agreement. These are a good set of performances um give me a second i have to I have to pull up the cheat sheet i made so i can remember who the hell any of these people are because i'm good at faces and bad at names uh i think uh, you could just call them by their actors at this point and it'd be yes fine. but i i don't know which is which andrew that's my <laughs> point if i if i don't have the image in front of me i don't know who's playing who uh but i have the image in front of me so i can do it now um yeah, like I said, I think these are both very strong performances. They're good. They're good group. I think like they are often their own kind of little unit in the scene as these three enthusiastic dummies who are who are very passionate, even if they clearly don't really know what they're doing, and may have joined this uh, club to hit on the hot lady, maybe. Oh, uh, and also definitely, help out definitely, definitely, and and help out their pal clearly, but also to hit on the hot lady. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but, but I thought these were strong performances. Um, I agree, uh, let's see. Austin, Austin's fun as, um, Adachi. Uh, he, I, I agree, he, he's so far had kind of the relatively least to do, but he's got, uh, that fun kind of uh, punchiness to him. He's kind of, of the three, he seems the one who's most, maybe mostly like an actual delinquent, like not so much the other two. 
Um, and he's got he's got the right tone of voice to him. He's got uh, he's seen, you know he's a little uh, he's a little more like rough and tumble. And I thought he uh, helped uh, put that across, which I appreciated. Uh, uh, Anthony Bowling's also a lot of fun as um, Ishitaka. Uh, he's just he's just he's fun. He's trying. He doesn't like sitting down to play the coda, which, in fairness, that doesn't look like it's super comfortable position to have to sit in for like oh, however wild. many hours they're practicing in. Oh, sweet lord! Yeah. Uh, so you know, kudos to him. But he 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 is he's he's very much he, he feels fun and he, he's the one with the no shame line, right? Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 That, that was great. <laughs> line of the dub right there. Oh. Um, yeah, he, he he's also he's also a lot of fun, and uh, Josh Greeley is also just delightful. As um, Kota, just what a what a what a what a kid. <laughs> I also like that he's the one who accidentally lets drop that like Chica has this horribly tragic past, but like in passing without really realizing this is like oh kind yeah of a the Hosaki oh uh, lord yeah not Hosey's really realize like, it Fuck! like. Clearly under the impression that Hosaki is aware of this, so she's like, oh yeah, you know that time when, like, some punks destroyed his grandfather's work, and his grandfather, like, died from it a few years later, and he got the blame for all of it? Yeah, that was a thing. Don't you look, know that? Look, in, look, I, say what you will, Hosaki should have seen it coming. He's a very hot, attractive, delinquent boy. They always have some fucked up shit in their past. <laughs> you, you see... You see, we know that because we know she's in an anime. She doesn't know that yet. <laughs> so she she's not on the lookout for it, even though she should be. Mm. What? Um, I had a thought. He's he's a lot of fun in that role. They're all they're all just they're fun, and uh, they are they are they are distinct in their own ways. You know, they are very much unit, but I do think they they play off very, each other very well. That's one thing I want to actually give a shout out to the to the director, uh, to. Jade as well is that I know you know obviously the, Tia Tia thank you Tia why did I think it was Jade Tia um the Tia since obviously like most of these performances are recorded individually and then mixed together later I think this is the, these three especially I think were very well directed they very much feel like they are interacting with each other this is not like three performances they're kind of set side by side these do feel like a unit who is doing something uh, and I really enjoyed that aspect I thought that was done well especially given that a lot of their Silly comedy often, I think, kind of relies on their interplay. So yeah, good good set of performances. Liked them a lot. Um, I also liked all three of them a lot. Each of them brings something very interesting to the table. Um, Austin's character, granted, I think out of the trio doesn't have either as much or didn't stand out as much to me um, compared to the other two for various reasons. Um, but I do like. Austin's dynamic in the show um, among the trio and among like all the other characters in the series as well um, I didn't believe that was Anthony Bowling and that he could do something like that <laughs> um, and then I heard Anthony Bowling go for like 20 minutes and I'm like okay this is cool he's a fun gentle gentle giant of sorts in a different way a, a, a different kind of gentle giant than robert mccollum any, anyway um and i enjoyed that a lot i actually kind of want to talk a bit more about josh's little nugget of a character though uh, michitaka because while he is very hyper and very cheerful and has a lot of energy to him 
Michitaka among the three in this in this group, I think has a good amount of development to him. Um, because he shows his slight insecurities. You mean Nugget. Nugget, Mi- Nugget isn't Michitaka, that's Koda. No, Michitaka Sakai. That's Nugget. No, I thought Koda's Nugget. Koda is Mizuhara. Koda Mizuhara is Anthony. Nugget. I, Wait, what? I feel like we are unintentionally... Fucking each other up. Yes, but the point is, these three characters are very interchangeable. Steph, what's the color hair of the character you're talking about? The blonde one. That is... Koda. You fucking told me it was Michitaka! This earlier today! Yeah, no, that's Koda. (laughs) So I can blame you for that one. Jesus. My bad! (laughs) Anyway, Nugget! Nugget, aka Josh Greeley, because clearly I don't know my characters today. Nugget. <laughs> no, I think with um, Josh's character in particular, he shows a good amount of insecurities when it comes to his skills at playing the Koto and wanting to improve a lot more. Um, and it's become very poignant in the show, and they make it an actual point to say that, because he he shows a lot more hesitation and insecurity while playing it, probably more than anyone else in the show so far. And it's very interesting to see that little bit of character development for this little nugget of ours. Um, and I think Josh portrays that very well. But yeah, all in all, all three of these characters are a lot of fun. They make for such fun banter. <laughs> in the show <laughs> when and it helps liven things up and it just kind of breaks the monotony of the serious melodramatic like oh i am a delinquent and my, my like people blamed me for shit oh my uh i'm, I'm assuming jose key's backstory here oh my grandmother was a strict person and she told me I can't say can't, and I have to be perfect, and all this fun stuff. I'm assuming the backstory at this point. I haven't seen past episode five, but yeah, these three do kind of break up the monotony of the serious and the melodramatic. Um, but you can tell that there's also twinges a bit more to their characters in the case of Nugget, um, and I do enjoy all three of them really well. So, I <laughs> Nugget's my favorite. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. I call him Nugget for a reason. Nug. Good little Nug boy. Good little Nugget. Oh, uh, no. So let's get, uh, let's get Anthony out of the way. He does a really good job. I do like that. I always have a fear with bigger gentleman characters in anime that they will give them the su- dumb, slow, fat voice. And I'm very happy that they don't. The guy is a capable player. Um, he is very chill, very relaxed. Um, he fits well in. I want to see him get more development as a character first, uh, but his performance is fine. Uh, Austin Tyndall as Sane is uh, he's a he's a good guy. He's a little punkish. He's not overly punkish, but he, he's not like okay. Look, there's a sliding scale of Austin Tyndalls. <laughs> Do tell. Let's talk about let's talk about the Austin scale. So there is. Good, sweet, slightly screamy boys like Kaneki and Subaru. There's. I have taken many, many, many snorts of cocaine. <laughs> My snowflame feels no pain, aka Leopold. Oh dear. 
Snowflame feels no pain. Uh, also, like, Accelerator is Snowflame feels no pain. <laughs> I assume. And then there's, like, Karma. And Obito, who is Troll. <laughs> troll, yep. Uh, Adachi is somewhere between... Okay, okay, like, the far end of the scale is Snowflame feels no pain. He is somewhere in the middle of Troll and Kaneki. Gene Otis is just its own separate entity. Because <laughs> I'm... I'm okay. Look, my Aka books stare. Gene Otis stares at me whenever I record because of my Aka books, the way that they're lined, they face like right at me. Um, so <coughs> I really, I enjoy you. it. I think it's a really good fun. I think he's having a lot of fun. Like, I really do agree with Amon's uh, take that you can really tell that these three guys are having a lot of fun recording this, and they sound like they're having a good time. Their comedy stuff is absolute gold. Like when, uh, when they first all show up and they're like. Yeah, we'll join your club. Oh, little do they know. And then, a little do they know that that Todoroki's gonna fuck them. <laughs> um. Oh, <laughs> uh, in five minutes you will all learn what Megan's Todoroki ship is. Um. But then, but then there's also the part where, hey, Granny, open up. We want to buy those finger thingies. Stop giggling at that. That's the line. I know it is. It's funny. And then, oh, and then there's Nug. And then there's Nugget. Oh, Josh. I, it's been a while since I've heard Josh do, like, hyperactive young teenage boy voice. Because Josh has been a lot of, like, older, more dramatic teen, dr like, dr older dramatic character. Okay, look. Futaro was a little out there, but Futaro wasn't Nugget. <laughs> Futaro wasn't Nug. Uh... Josh has played a lot more of those more mature but hyperactive, or like Tata, who is very like composed of himself. It's it's kind of funny because <laughs> Nugget's kind of like the Cartophilus voice, but without the evil. Yeah, kind of. Because they have the similar build, and I really like that Nug is the one that lets it slip to to Hozuki that Kudo isn't the guy she thinks he is. And the way that he does that scene where it's just very much like, yeah, well, we're we're all kind of a wreck, but we're doing this for our best friend. And he's been through a lot and you would think that the man would be traumatized, but he's not. And she's like, oh, God, I fucked up. And I think he does a really good job of that. And I'd also like to point out one of the most highlight scenes for all of the guys in the show in the Kodo Club, and especially these idiots, is when they go to the festival and see all the little girls playing. <laughs> and they're they're like, this is gonna be fucking easy! And then they're, and then they're all like... Away. And they're like, we can't do that! <laughs> uh, but no, I really liked all of them. So, are we good to move on? Yes. Yes. Alright, so, for the sake of time, because we're going a lot longer than I thought. So, let's talk about our three lead characters. A.K.A. Uh, Todoroki, Bakugo, and Deku. I mean, uh... Sawata Hozuki, Takezo Kurata, and Chikakudo. I'm so happy so, this AU joke has lasted as long as it has. God damn it. So, I know Andrew knows who my Todoroki ship is, but I don't think the others should know who it is. So, I'm... <laughs> over, under, who will guess it before the segment's over? Because I will reveal it at the very end of the episode. Okay, so, predictions for uh, Hozuki, Kurata, and Kudo. Andrew, go. Uh, my predictions for, uh, 
Hosaki. Hosaki's the girl, right? I, I have... Yeah, Hosaki's the girl. For better or for worse, I have a lot of trouble with names with this particular show. Um, Hosaki, my prediction for this particular one was one Jill Harris. I figured she's got the cutesy... She's got a bit of the cutesy tone, but she could be stern as hell when she needs to, and she's capable of both tonal shifts, and I figured both of those were necessary for a character like Hozuki. For Takizo, I figured Takizo would be a good, uh, good boy in the form of one Brandon McInnes because he seems like he's done a lot of very good emotional drama boys like this and I figured he would have been a very good fit for this character. And for uh, Chica, I thought Micah Solosad. Because Micah Solosad, and he kind of looks like a character that Micah would have played. Alright, Steph. I thought Amon goes next. I don't. Oh, Amon does have oh, well, I, I don't, I I don't have any. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> again, I pulled a Megan and made predictions based on the look of what these characters look like. Hosaki. Based on what the character looks like, I picked Bryn April, Alexis Timpton, and Amber Lee Connors. For uh, Takizo, I picked Justin Briner, Dallas Reed, and Stephen Fu. And for Kudo, I also went with Micah Solosad, but I also had Damon Mills and Josh Greeley. Alright, so. My predictions for Hozuki. Uh, based off of what she looked like and how she acted, immediately said Amber Lee Connors or Alexis Tipton. For Kurita, I said Derek Snow or Howard Wang. Uh, and for Kudo, I said Damon Mills or Clifford Chapin. So, playing Sawata Hozuki, aka the girl who can- Oh, I should have given character descriptions. Hozuki is a girl who comes from a very prestigious uh, Kudo, uh, Kodo school- who kind of wants to use the club to spring uh, springshot herself to national fame. However, there might be more going on there, and she has a very sugar and ice personality to kind of get what she wants. She basically Could- uses the club as a way to start her great drive. I just she explained just that. that. I bet, like, as like I was making a joke, like, I, was just- I- sorry. Anyway, Kurita is the second year uh, club president. All of the girls in the club left the club to him. He was a pushover. Uh, believes that Kudo is a bad person, learns that he's not, and becomes friends with him and tries to keep a club afloat. And Kudo is a delinquent who got, uh, a delinquent who got misjudged for destroying his grandfather's shop, didn't do it, and the world is constantly trying to shit on him, even though he is, like, the kindest, gentlest guy ever. He is the greatest human being in the world. Fuck you, fight me. Mm, I'm pretty sure he will fight you. Yeah, he would. Anyway, playing Sawata Hozuki is Amber Lee Connors. Playing Takazo Kurita is Alejandro. <laughs> I fucked his name up. Let me try it again. Playing Takazo Kurita is Alejandro Saab. And playing Chikakudo is Damon Mills. Amber Lee Connors will know as characters such as Brandis Mew in Fairy Tale, Akane Hiyama in The Love Tyrant, and Ashley Ono in A Sister's All You Need. Alejandro Saab you'll know as characters such as Sorichiro Suzuki in Cheer Boys, Akira Inukai in Real Life. And Tazak uh, Taz- Tazaki in Joker Game. Damon Mills, you know his characters such as 
uh, Kaikane Teichiko in A Certain Magical Index Season 3, Ling Jiming in Ra Hakata Tokata Ramens, and Shin Wolfwood in The Wiseman's Grandchild. Mm. Okay. Um, so, I'll start off with uh, Amberly Connors, because this character is... Wow. She is very... She she is two-faced in the best way. She is she plays this very cutesy persona when she is trying to get people to join the club is like, "Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, it's going to be so much fun together." And then the second that the slip is signed, it's like, "Yeah, get guess what? My city, bitch. City, bitch. I own you. You are my concubines. This is my kingdom. Wow, Fuck all y'all. Okay, we're going that far? Oh, sh- huh. Yeah. Didn't know it. I knew Andrew was into femdom. <laughs> you know what? I'm learning things about my boyfriend tonight, boys and girls. What do you mean you just learned that? <laughs> Uh, Might I suggest heels and a strap on? Moving on, not even dignifying that. Anyways, uh, no, 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 Everly no, no. Connor. Hold on, done, done. Everly Connors. Come on, I'm so sorry. Everly Connors <laughs> is. <clears throat> okay. Three. Everly Connors ha is a very diverse actress and is capable of a lot of different vocal ranges and I think uh oh god why, why am I uh Satua Hosuki 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 is very good at this very dynamic range of her voice because when she's doing a cutesy facade she is very convincing and moe but when she my favorite thing is uh my, uh, blanking on things, thinking is hard. My favorite line that demonstrates her change in tone is like, "Yay! I'm glad that you're even more simple-minded than I thought, you stupid fools." And that, to me, is the perfect encapsulation of Amber Lee's performance. Just that turn on a dime, literally just changes the voice in the middle of the line read. I'm like, oh, you're perfect. But she's also pretty complicated and kind of emotionally compelling. She is very much somebody who is a prodigy and the best of the best, but has never really been good at teaching others how to do this. She just always knew how to do it from very strict upbringings. Oh my god, she really is Todoroki. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now he realizes. <laughs> oh god damn it. Now he really Megan. catches on. Megan, you're Boy. right, but fuck you. <laughs> when, where, and how hard. Uh anyways, but yeah, no. I think her character's really interesting, and it's really fun to see her bounce off of uh Chica, because the two fight each other a lot, but you can also see her Dra over the course of the series, becoming more and more understanding to that character's plight, and it's really interesting. I think Amber Lee does a phenomenal job selling all the different sides of this character. Uh, Alejandro, I genuinely did not think that was Alejandro at the start, because 
Alejandro has a very distinct voice to me, but he sounded much more quiet and subdued at the start of the show. Like, very much a lot more shelled and quiet and reclusive, which is not usually things I associate with Alejandro's Sav's voice, especially when you hear things like, Hey everybody, this is Kagi Films, and da Something like that, because that's what I associate his voice. So hearing him much more quiet and subdued is very different to me. But you hear it a lot more when he has these dramatic emotional outbursts. And you see him a lot uh, interacting with Chica and Hozaki. And the other members of the club, because he's trying to find his footing as a leader and have more of confidence in himself. And Alejandro does a lot of these comedic deliveries with all these other characters, but you see him growing more confidence in himself. And I especially love when he's doing that thing in front of the class and everybody's laughing and it's like, hey, we're doing this whether you like this or not. If you want to laugh, laugh. If you want to like say it's bad, say it's bad. We're doing this because these are my friends. We worked hard. You're going to sit here and you're going to fucking listen. And I thought that was really cool. I think Alejandro does a great job bringing this comedic, reclusive character and does these emotional, dramatic outbursts, and he really plays off of these characters, especially Chica, because holy fuck, Damon Mills. Holy fuck. Like, he sounds a lot gruffer and tougher than I usually associate with Damon Mills' voice, but Damon Mills is a fucking wizard. He is hilarious. The Some of my favorite deliveries are where he's basically going full Bakugo's like, why do you even wear glasses if you don't use them for seeing? I don't need your dumb compliments, nerd. And it's just like, oh god, my favorite delivery of his. That's also part of the great script. They both have such hard fingers and mine are soft like a baby. A.K.A. title of your sex tape, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Is that a Brooklyn Nine-Nine joke? That's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine joke. Damn it, Andrew. Uh, anyways, uh, but no, uh, Damon is also a really great dramatic actor for Chica as a character. And Chica is very angry and complex, but also sensitive and emotional. And the true antithesis to this character to me is that comes full force is episode five. Because episode five feels like the true realization of his character arc. Because the biggest thing about him is him finding his sound. And when he finds his sound, it is a beautiful, emotional love letter to his departed grandfather. And it is beautiful. And Damon is so perfect as Chica. He is angry. He is funny. He is sensitive. He is touching. He is a misunderstood precious cinnamon roll and he is also very handsome and for real like all three of these could probably be like like these three are the cream of the crop as far as this dub is concerned but if i had to pick just slightly over the top who i think comes out on top damon mills as chica all right um, where to start? Um, I, I'll also start with Amber. Um, Hosuki is a really, she does a really good performance as a character who's 
uh, interesting. And part, we, I mean, we can we don't know exactly what her deal is. We can kind of get the the broad edges of it, given that you know she comes from a a, a family who runs a famous Kodo Kodo school, but is also not currently attending that school. And clearly, there's a lot of hangouts from her, what I assume is her grandmother. Um, I think Amber just plays the character very well. Uh, as we mentioned, she does the the sort of sweet, cutesy facade part very well. She sells that. Um, you know, she's like you know, super cute and charming and approachable. And then on a dime, can just turn into what I assume is more her actual personality, which is a lot more like we are going to get shit done. And if you hold me back, I'm going to throw you away and pick someone else because I ain't got time for you. Um, I think she does a good job of making, selling a lot of that character's, like, kind of, like, anger and, uh, sort of, it's, like, almost her own frustration, like, she's so, like, she is so, you know, she's a prodigy, she's very, very talented, and she's, she, you know, even just, you know, those scenes where, like, she's struggling to figure out how to teach people because she has a very specific teaching style and can't, doesn't know how to adjust that for other people. Uh, and trying to figure out, like, okay, I can't just be, uh, you know, I can't just, like, force everybody around. I'm going to need to work with these people for going to be a unit. And watching that transformation happen, um, it's interesting. I think Amber does a good job of playing that, of having her come off as very, like, caustic and mean. But with a, like, there's a rationale behind it, and it never goes so far that, like, when she starts to soften up a little bit, that feels like a, a turn away from what the character's been before. Uh, she's, uh, she just, she sells this very well for a character who I think could be a little tricky, because uh, I think she does find a good balance of not being too saccharine when she's kind of doing the fake cute girl thing, and also not being too awful when she's being more her, like, you know, we need to practice and get stuff done or else... Um, so I, I really enjoy that performance. I think it's really well done. Um, I liked Alejandro a lot as uh, Tezuko, uh, Tekezo? Tekezo. Um This is the same way. Uh, uh, you can say Kodorta. Thank you. I can never remember which. I don't. <laughs> I can never remember what order we're putting the names in on these things. Kurita. I just I go back and forth in yeah. the whole episode. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Current is fun. Like uh, yeah, partially is fun because like once I knew it was Alejandro, it's like. Hi, this is this is Alejandro, but not like a voice I'm used to hearing from him. I'm used to Alejandro being a little more loud, I guess. Uh, and same, yeah. And you know, Karada's a little a little more soft spoken. He's a little more like, uh, you know, can I run this? How am I going to run this? There's this loud blonde man here all the time. I'm like, oh look, a professional. Oh, the professional's really angry too. Oh dear. How am I? How am I gonna pull this one off? Um, But I, I, I think he he does a good job with that. There is a like sensitivity to the character that I think, I think on purpose kind of leans into a little bit of him like not being very good at standing up for himself, but not so much that you like when he does do kind of his more like, uh, like I am in charge of the club. I do need to like put my foot down occasionally, or at least like steer the argument in a more productive direction. Uh, I think that does kind of come through. There, there has been the side of him getting more comfortable being the guy in charge, and not just like the guy who's in charge on paper, and then other people are actually doing uh, the heavy lifting, or just you know won't let him be in charge. Basically, um, there's just there's a good sense about that. Like the, he he feels leadery, even though I feel like a lot of the show is about him needing to grow into that role because it doesn't come to him naturally. Uh, and I think Alejandro. Um, 
I think he does he does a good job with that, I think. I can you can see I think that evolution even in like these five episodes, I think you can see a little bit of that of him feeling a little more confident and a little more comfortable being in charge. And for that matter, just hanging out with these people, they're clearly not people he would have thought twice about spending time with like the year before. Um, especially because he proved to be the only man in this club of girls <laughs> who are all older than him. Um yeah, it's 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 a nice performance. Um and then we get to Damon. A fun thing I always think about Damon is I realize that I've just given up on trying to pick out Damon in dubs. It's like <laughs> I don't I don't think I've seen two shows where he sounds the same. Uh, it's just like, oh that's Damon. Alright, sure. Fine. <laughs> like I it could be anybody. You could be lying to me, I don't know. I've I know what Damon Mills sounds like in his normal day life. It doesn't sound like this. It doesn't sound like any of the roles I've heard him in. He's a magician. It's a little unsettling. Who who did you sell your soul to, Damon? What 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 what, what pact did you make? You can say you can say exactly who 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 are you who are you working for, Damon? Are you are you expecting me to believe you're just that talented? Oh, you are. Well, shit. Well, don't I feel silly? Whoops. Exactly. Um, but no, David David's wonderful in this. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I, I, you were mentioning earlier that some people were feeling like his character was written too angry. What's the appropriate amount of anger for this man's life situation exactly? You know, uh, you're right. Because like I think I think David plays this very well. I think he he like he he, he definitely plays like uh, the angry delinquent who like clearly has been through a lot and like goes out and fights people he doesn't like because it lets him feel a little better about himself for a while. Um, but I, I, I like, but he, he's able to take that, that character and that voice and then give it emotional range within that. You get the scenes with his grandfather where he like, you know, he makes, he makes them a little bear shaped, uh, whatever they are. And you're like, oh, they're bear puns. And it's like, oh, this is, this is cute. Like, I, I, I understand, you know, this is a really complicated relationship for the both of them, but I understand why there is that love and affection there and why like his death didn't hit Chica so hard. It's not just like... Uh, the guy who, like, house I lived in died, like, someone I loved died. Um, and just, you know, like, he, he enabled him clearly having, like, a lot of pain, but also being able to, like, wanting this Kodo thing to go well, this being something he can put his energy into that he feels proud of. Um, and also, just, he's still really funny, just like, how'd you make that wonderful sound? My fingers. Duh. It's an instrument. You, you know how instruments are played, right? Um, mm-hmm. He's just, he's, he's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking nerds. <laughs> you, you nerds, you know how this works. Um, yes, yeah, he, 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 take, he takes a character that I think has, like, a fair amount of, like, complexity and subtlety to him, and I think just sells him really well. Um, even though, like, kind of his new, even even with kind of his, like, kind of the very, you know, his essential base performance kind of being, like, you know, angry, uh, delinquent type. Uh, but, um... I'm sorry, I got distracted by something Andrew was saying on the Skype chat. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, he's able to take that kind of, like, baseline performance of, like, angry delinquent and then show how much range there is even within that. Like, I think this is a really nice performance, and I I, I, I would argue, like, this is probably the standout performance of the dub. I think he's, he's really good here. Uh, especially because he has to voice the character who I feel like, at least of the first five episodes, is definitely getting the most, like, the biggest emotional arc of the show, at least so far. Um, there's a lot of scenes that would live or die by his performance, and I think he has nailed them every single time. Like, thumbs up. Big props. Oh, where do I begin? 
Um, I guess I'll start with Amber. Amber is such a snarky, prissy pants. She is a snarky, bratty, prissy pants. And I love every second of it. Because, um, because Hozuki... Hozuki does have this sweet, innocent act about her, but then the second she's like, oh, okay, cool, I don't have to act like this anymore, it's like, you know, fuck you, fuck you too, it's my way or the highway. Uh, she's very snarky and very prissy, and it's, and it's fantastic. But I do also have to give Amber some props, because Hozuki slowly seems like she's going to... She softens up a bit more, slowly but surely. Because you can tell she's never really had friends before. She's never had friends before. She's never worked in a team setting. And um, if the episode preview at the end of episode 5 is any indication, we're going to shift from Kudo's story to Hozuki very shortly. And um, again, my my assumption and suspect, suspicion is, oh hey, the... Koto Master of the school that I'm related to is a pain in the butt and was a harsh teacher and all this fun stuff and it kind of damaged me mentally and all this kind of fun stuff. But, um, seeing Amber slowly soften up uh, in the first five episodes is great. She still holds, she still has that stern, uh, my way or the highway attitude, professional kind of attitude. Um, but you can tell she's, like, over time, she's softening up a little bit. Um, the scene where the club goes out for Monja, and the guys, most of the guys are just like, oh, you're gonna cook for us? That's awesome! That's, thanks, Hozuki! And she doesn't even know what the fuck to do. And then Kudos just takes the bowl and is like, you know, you can, if you don't know how to do something, then just say so. Like, it's okay. <laughs> we won't, we won't make fun of you for it. And she kind of is just like, oh... Oh, really? <laughs> it's really, really sweet and endearing. So, I really liked Ambrose's performance so far, as of now. Um, Kudata. <sighs> yeah. Um, Kudata and Alejandro. Alejandro normally, like everybody else has been saying so far, he normally doesn't play these kinds of characters. And by these kinds of characters, the kind of quiet, unassuming, nerdy types, usually. Usually one of the louder ones. <laughs> this isn't saying anything bad. But um, that's usually the kind of character type he's, he's stuck playing half the time. So I, it's very refreshing for, to me to see Alejandro in a role like this. It's very, it's quiet and unassuming. He, Kodata also has his own insecurities. Like um, Amon and Andrew were saying, like he's not sure of himself as the president of this club and he's always being rescued by everybody else around him which makes his little spiel at the morning assembly in episode 5 all the more sweeter it's like look look here think whatever you want but we're gonna fucking play you know you shut up and listen <laughs> I was like yeah he's finally standing his ground and I really enjoy it a lot but um definitely it's very a very different kind of character type for Alejandro to play, and I've been enjoying it so far. Let's face it, the only reason why I'm, I am now officially here is to talk about Damon Mills, because holy fucking shit, my heart. My heart. Oh, sweet lord. Um. Ugh. He's. 
He's such... Damon's Kudo is a very, very tough guy, a bit of a punk. Um, and it's fantastic. At least that's what you see. <sighs> At least that's what you get when you first watch the show. Like, he's an angry child. Like, he's angry, he's misunderstood, He's a, everybody makes assumptions about all these different things about him, and it's like... Almost to the almost angry to the point of angsty edgelordy, but doesn't go too far, which is good. But considering that this basically this first half of the show is very focused on Kudo as a character and his story, you can tell that there is more of a gentle side. There is more of a sensitivity to him as a character, and I think Damon is very good at bringing out those sensitive and more gentle moments out of Kudo. Um, I've been saying this the entire fucking night. I did not expect to be hit like a freight train today by after watching episode 5. Holy hell. Like, huh. how many of you, how many of you guys, when you got to Kudo's actual solo in the morning assembly, how many of you started fucking crying if you're i didn't actually you're a fucking I... liar i actually didn't my mom was there with me i had to be strong but you would have uh, be strong for mother <laughs> mother but you would have if she wasn't there i was actually tearing up a I, little bit elsa i plead the fifth actually oh <laughs> uh, i actually don't know if i would have cried but I, I i did not actually cry to that scene i i started tearing up because but what's beautiful about the um, morning assembly and this performance is while the music is playing and they're playing the song they're going through a lot of nits like more than nitty gritty with kudo's backstory and telling this story and like this for me the second that kudo solo like starly like finally kicks it into gear i was done <laughs> like that's what i mean that's what I meant in the beginning with the strength of the direction, the strength of the writing, and the strength in this case, especially Damon's performance of Kudo. Like, you just feel so much for this kid. You understand that he's just misunderstood. Excuse me. That misunderstood, mistaken for a lot of things and stereotyped in a lot of different ways. And you just are rooting for this kid the whole time. And every, I think... Every part of this performance, I've just been enjoying it so far from start to end. So, kudos, 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 kudos to Damon on this one. And I will, f I know it's early, I'm gonna fucking admit that I did this. He's my first contender for best actor of the W so far this year. Oh, damn. That's how much it affected me, I won't lie. Like... We'll see how the rest of the year goes, but yeah, he, first and only contender so far. <laughs> er, er, see, I have a con I have a contender for best actor in a drama, and I'll say who it is to the group afterwards. But yeah, but yeah, like if you don't feel something for this kid, and you don't feel something during episode five and his and his performance of the not just his so the solo that he has to do, but like the entire song in general. You are a heartless bastard. <laughs> like, I'm done. Damon is my favorite. He's my favorite performance of the whole show. 
Aw, you're so, so cute. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steph, you're adorable when you get bashing it. Anyway. Isn't she? She's your girlfriend, not mine. <laughs> but we're Fair still enough. lesbians, remember? We are still lesbians. Okay, so I'm gonna actually start with uh, Alejandro as uh, Kurita first. Uh, not because his character doesn't do a lot, but because I think in terms of what he has to do as a character, while it is a lot to do as a lead character, I would say, uh, opposed to uh, both Hosuki and Kudo at this point, he is still kind of getting to the ramp up of his arc. But I actually didn't believe it was Alejandro in like the first 10 minutes of the show I watched. I was like, wait a minute, that's Alejandro? He's not screaming, he's not... Like, as... Okay, just to give you a frame of mind, like, in the three other... There's two other shows this season that I'm watching where Alejandro Saab is a major character in it so far. And in both of those shows, I know that's Alejandro Saab. This is the one where it took me a minute to realize it was him. So I really, really want to give him a lot of credit for that. Like, especially when you're, like, a lot of people... And it's so weird that like, I saw somebody say this about him, like, in X show, X character is played by a newer actor, so I guess I'll give him some slack. And I'm in the back of my mind going, no, Alejandro Saab isn't a new actor. He's done a yeah. lot in, like, the last year and a half. Like, predominantly in the last year and a half. He's in a lot of stuff. As a lot of bigger characters, like, so I don't know why this person thought that he's newer. And I guess it's that whole stereotype of, I don't know who this person is, therefore they are new. Up, so. up and coming voice actor, Justin Briner, basically. Ha! Ha ha! Ha 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 ha! You're funny. Up and coming, or, or, personally, one of my favorite ones, up and coming voice act. I'm just gonna bite my tongue for that after this episode, but... Uh, so no, and I really like that he is, uh, he sounds so mature for what, from, uh, a lot of things. I don't think I've heard Alejandro Saab be this mature since, uh, actually Joker game. Yeah, actually, Where I, I legitimately that. didn't know it was him. That, yeah. And that's one of the yeah, early like, roles for him, too. Also, beat dude, I don't know if you've listened to that episode or you're listening now, but motherfucker, I still don't believe you're in Joker game. That's a lie. <laughs> um, but I really do like that. There are some times where it goes back to the Alejandro that I'm familiar with, but I think that I, the thing I like about this performance is a lot of what you brought up, that he is very much gaining his confidence slowly but surely, and that he realizes he just can't, uh, he just can't play it safe anymore. Mm -hmm. In that he has to go for these things, because if he wants, because it's like, it's like Hozuki said, don't lie to yourself, um, if you don't practice, you won't get better. Don't lie to yourself about your dreams. You were crying too when you got knocked out of the national qualifier. So, I think Alejandro has a really good foundation for this, and where I think that his character's gonna go, because here's the thing about this, this is a split-core show. He's gonna get to come back to this in October. I didn't know the this show was split-core, actually. It is. This is split-core. Mm. This is split-core. So he's going to get to finish this half of it, take a break for three months, and come back. Oh. So it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Moving on to Hozuki, Amber Lee Connors was the, the instantly the first person I thought of when I saw Hozuki as char like, character design and stuff. Amber Lee Connors is in a lot of shows that I don't watch, unfortunately. <laughs> but for some reason, I just saw her and I said, she can do this character. 
And I think it's that Amber does know how to do that level of, like I said, sugar and ice. She can be sugary sweet, but she's also icy and a little in distance and clearly putting up a barrier. And you can hear that in her performance. Also, B, I'd like to point out that my mother already ships Hozaki and Kudo. I ship it. She's like, those two like I each other. I ship it. FedEx, bitch. I gotta say, I didn't know your mom was into uh, Bakugo and Todoroki. My mom has no idea what my hero is. I've shown her maybe an episode and she was like half asleep for it. Ah, okay. Uh, so, but she really, like, I think that Hozaki as a character, that being able to flip, and it's also, it's really when you have to do characters who are traumatized and has have a lot uh, behind their voices, and this is also something I want to extend to, especially Kudo, that it is, you always have to play that line of how much does their their childhood self leak into that, or how much do their younger years leak into that, and their vulnerability. Uh, Amber's starting to show some cracks into the vulnerability, but she's not there yet. And I also really like that she plays off uh, her insecurities and her standoffishness as a bad teacher. Mm -hmm. Because Hozuki is a bad teacher. Hozuki is not only a bad teacher because she doesn't know how to explain it, it's because it's intuitive to her, but because she herself, like they said, she's been trained Spartan yes. style. She is only reciprocating what she knows, and I, I like that about her perform Amber's performance. But man, everybody is writing that Damon Mills' kudo is really good. I do not think he sounds too old at all. Like my mom said, he just sounds like he's been around on the street a little bit and or served jail yeah. time. That's kind of the point. And that's a lot of what his character is. And I, I love Damon's deliveries, especially when he yells. I love when kudo ever gets like the really <laughs> deformed face and the little Look fangs here, and he kind of yells. Look here, four eyes. Damn it, Grant. That hit wasn't very elderly. <laughs> Being another really good line of the show. Uh, Damon's, like, I think, I think Amon said it best. The fact that you can never pinpoint Damon Mills' characters mm -hmm. in any show is a testament to how versatile he is as an actor. Because I've played, I've seen Damon Mills play characters much younger than this. Hi, Hi, I like Token Rambu. I know he plays Homobami, who's a childish character. I know that he can play old men. I've watched Yuri on Ice. That's the show that taught me who Damon Mills was. Damon Mills can voice match on Frieza, which is terrifying. Yep. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I, I haven't watched the show all the way through. I, his character looks like his character, I think, at a... Uh... Is this character in uh, Hitorijime My Hero Blonde? Yes. He kind of looks like him. Um, but I like that Damon has so much heart in this character and just... It feels like he's wearing a lot of it very close to his... on his. It's like he's wearing his failings on his sleeves and it comes out through his performance. I think that is a thing that really gets to me about... Uh, Kudo as a character. He is very entertaining and he's very endearing and he's very rough around the edges and I want to adopt him. Um, Kudo is my son. <laughs> my heart. So, he's a he's a good boy. He's a very yes. good boy. And I I absolutely love the performance. Uh I would also potentially say he's a he's a good candidate to to be a best of the year performance for males. 
Uh, I have two others that are really sticking out to me as well. But I, I genuinely think that he is fantastic in this. So, with that being said, let's give our final thoughts on Kono Ototomare. Andrew. I will say this. I enjoyed, for the most part, I had enjoyed the show. I, I thought it was pretty good. I liked the character interactions. I thought the dub, like, I think the dub is strong. I think the writing's strong. As for the show itself, I was still kind of a little mixed on it. I thought it was pretty good. It's, I kind of like these characters and I kind of like their struggles, but it's maybe a little too overdramatic at times. And it didn't quite click, click with me for a while. And then the performance happened. My heart. When that performance was finished and everything was done, like it wasn't even like an extravagant viewing experience, but the execution of the song, which thanks to Funimation for pointing this out, apparently the song was played and composed by the creator's older sister. Oh, wow. Really? That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. That's really neat. But. For sure, um, just the emotional and cathartic climax of that piece coming together. Kudo's emotional journey finding its true, its true ending, and every and just the episode ending on everybody just fucking jaw drop speechless. That was the moment I'm like, you know what? I'm in. I'm in this show. Fuck it. I enjoy this cast of characters. I have some issues with some of the drama, but you know what? I'm in now. I like it. I really enjoy these performances, especially Amberly Connors, Alejandro Saab, and Damon Mills. Uh, Tia and Kristen, you guys did a great job, and I can't wait to watch more. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a great. I, I this is a great dub and a. Good show. Like I, I, I was, I was enjoying the show a lot. I'm a, I'm a sucker for shows about people coming together to triumph over things, and also music is involved. That's always a bonus. Uh, and it took, it took me a couple episodes to warm up, but I think that's partially because once you actually get kind of like the core six together, it really starts to like snap. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's a fun show. It has a lot of emotion in it. It's funny. I think the dub is really well performed and produced. I think it sounds really good. Uh, and I know some of that is, like, you know, the Japanese... You know, I'm assuming a lot of, like, kind of the music and stuff is from the Japanese side, but I do think, like, this sounds great. Uh, like, this is just a really nicely sounding dub, which I think, particularly for something like this that is about music, that's always very important. So, props to whoever, like, mixed and engineered this. I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but you did good. I can look it up for you, actually. Sure. The engineer of Konooto? Yeah. And then I, I get Mixer if they have that listed somewhere. They should have it. Let me find uh, it. I actually have it pulled up if you want it. Sure. Oh. Uh, so the ADR engineer is Xavier Earl. The mix engineer is Adrian Cook. All right. Uh, props to both of you. This sounds great. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is just this is just like a fun. This is a fun show, and it just sounds really good. And I think it hits a lot of the right emotional beats. Like it's just it's like really entertaining and also um, like fulfilling. I guess like props all around. This is really nice. All right, Steph. So, I have this nasty habit when it comes to seasonal stuff of trying to stay away from 
shows probably until the last possible second. Mostly because I, nine times out of ten, I am busy with like a million other fucking things that I don't know what to start or where to go. So, TLDR on that one. I basically went to this show completely blind. TLDR. So, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what kind of story this was going to be. Um, only based on, like, the key visuals. Uh, it was like, okay, this is going to be a high school possible drama surrounding, like, a music club of some kind. I didn't know that it was going to turn into potentially an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> Again, hits like a freight train when it really counts. But um I also have to give kudos to Tia and Kristen on this one cuz this is to me a very very strong dub from this season. One of the strong well, the show itself is, I think, one of my favorite shows of the season so far, and I have been watching... I finally caught up on quite a few of them right now. But, um, the dub in general, I think it's very strong. Similar to when I was saying that uh, My Roommate is a Cat last season is probably one of the stronger contenders for me from last season. This is definitely the strong contender here. The dub itself is well-written, it's well-directed, well, very, very strong, diverse cast both ensemble wise and individually and um oh sweet lord it's it tells so many different stories and complexities whether it's being misunderstood whether it's the hardships of being a prodigy of sorts whether it's just trying to find your confidence and trying to learn to take care of yourself in a way. And there's a lot of emotional complexities and a lot of things that people could probably relate to while watching to this show. And the dub just carries those points through so well and the performances are just fantastic. It's a mix of, it's not, I don't wanna call it unconventional casting because it's not. But I also don't want to call it stereotypical either. It's it's that really nice middle ground. And I enjoy it so, so much because it's just bringing out, I think, some very, very amazing and fantastic performances from these actors. And uh, uh, this is definitely the show of the season for me right now. But yeah, it, it hits in the feels. It hit me like a freight train so hard. <laughs> Unlike Andrew, I think I was on board by like the end of episode one, so. I'd call this my anime of the season, but Fruits Basket exists. That is also true, but in terms of original anime, though. Let's go uh, in terms of original anime, this is probably the one for the season for me. Because you are right, Fruits I mean, Basket. That's hard because... I was going to say, for me, that this is also probably, like, a solid, like, potentially two or three, because both Sarin Zomni and Demon Slayer exist. Steph, I have the misfortune to inform you this is adapted from a manga that's not an original anime. She means, like, not, not a, a sequel. sequel. Oh, okay. Or a remake or something? Yes. That's okay. what I mean. Something new. New IP, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Sarn Zomni and Demon Slayer are also here. They're all, like, all Sarn Zomni is a uh, thing and so that is... exists, and I don't even understand it. 
I love Sar and Somni. I love Mix. I Mix I really good. like this season of anime. Mix. A lot of people a lot of people give it shit, but I'm like, no, this, this season's, season's good. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. No, I I really liked Kono. I really liked Kono Oto. I remember this being like one of the shows I was like super pumped that Funimation got because I was like, yay, this is exactly my brand of shit because I love shows like Surene and this that are like about intrinsically very Japanese things that a lot of people are like, yeah, hey, what the fuck is that? I'm like, no, I want to learn about what the fuck this is. Through, like, anime bullshit. Um, and this delivers on that. This is exactly what I wanted from this show. Um, it doesn't, like, obviously, like, I don't think this is, like, a groundbreaking show in any way. Like, it is it is very much, like, a, a show I've seen before. But that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying myself. Um, I think the casting is incredibly well done. I think Tia and Felicia and Kristen went the extra mile uh, in the writing and the casting department. And I think the cast goes the extra mile, too, especially... Uh, Damon, Alejandro, and um, Amber as our three like kind of mean major characters, as well as a really strong supporting ensemble cast. Um, I really enjoy it. This is again a dub that I've watched with my mom, and my mom wants to keep watching this show. She enjoys it, and for a lot of things, that is a good sign because, like, she's gonna hate that I'm about to say how old my mom is. My mom's sixty. Like, if my 60-year-old mom can sit and watch the show and enjoy it, and she does, she barely asked me a damn thing about what was happening. And for an anime, that's a lot. That's a, a good sign. Like, if somebody who's a very casual viewer doesn't have to look over to me and go, what the fuck is happening? They're not giving you the dumb questions every two seconds. They're actually okay, into it. Yeah, they're engaged in what's going on, and they're enjoying themselves. That's a really good sign. This dub is really good at that. This dub is enjoyable. I, I do see criticisms towards it that I don't necessarily agree with, especially the one that Kudo sounds too old and too angry uh, in the dub. I think that's not a, not it's a disservice to to, to Damon's acting. Uh, overall, this is a really great effort by the team, and I am very genuinely impressed by it. And I cannot wait for them to tackle the rest of this, see what cast additions are coming. Um, and so on and so oh, forth. Oh, we finally so, got our seventh in- member on episode six, right? Mm-hmm. I believe we're going to get our seventh member, and if I'm correct, their advisor. Oh, Well, neat. technically, we already have the advisor. But we don't know who oh, plays Oh, I know him. who fucking plays him. I don't know who it is, and I'll talk to you guys after this. But anyway, if you would like to watch Kono Totomare, it is exclusively on Funimation. Uh, you can sign up for a Funimation subscription. Honestly, like, just do it. It's a good value. Uh, if you would like to follow us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. You can follow us at Dub Talk Podcast on Twitter, Tumblr, Twitch, YouTube, uh, etc. If you like what we do and you want to support us, you can always donate us. Uh, you can always give us a Kofi. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about the not other yet. thing yet, so I'm not, not gonna. Yet. I'm not gonna say it. So everybody, very quickly, give us your stuff, and Amon, if you can, give us a dusty sure. old song. My name. Is- All right. Oh. My name is Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at MangaMan9000. I am a community manager, moderator for Funimation Forms Discord. I am also another podcaster on uh, Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where we talk about anime with fellow Dub Talk podcast 
uh, cohort, uh, Jet. Also, I date this woman named Stephanie right next to me. Hi, my this... name is Stephanie, and I think it's more appropriate that Amon goes last for Dusty on Song Time, so I'm gonna jump in. My name is Stephanie, I'm also known as Lilac, and you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E, where I just talk about random boring life and horse shit like that. Um, I also have a blog, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com, which I need to update, and I also date this goober of a guy over here named Andrew. <laughs> Hey. All right, my name is... I guess I'll go next so Alma can go last. My name is Megan. You can follow me at Quinnier2. I ship posts. I do things. I hang out around the internet. I date Roots Justice. He's not here, but I love him anyway. Uh, my name is Amon. You can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Duel has two U's, and I complain about music and comic books and that kind of thing. Uh, and I have some dusty old songs for you. Uh, so obviously, given the theme of the show, I want to highlight some Kodo music. Unfortunately, I know nothing about Kodo music, but like any good music fan, I can do a little research and bullshit my way through it. So good job. on that note, uh, apparently one of the big names in terms of Kodo music was a guy in the early 20th century named... Um, Michio Miyagi, who composed what are now some of the like seminal pieces of the Kodo canon. Uh, obviously, he's a more or less a classical music composer. He's been recorded bunches of times, but uh, there's apparently a pair of nice CDs put up by a group called the Yamato Ensemble, called Japanese Music by Michio Miyagi, and then a volume two. Uh, there, I've heard some of them. You can find them on Spotify. You can buy it on Amazon. They're very good. But maybe you say to yourself, but Amon, that sounds so old and dusty. Don't you have anything hip for the new kids? Do I just say... <laughs> To for a certain brand of new kids? Yes, I do. Uh, one of the hot new people in the Kodo performing industry is a woman named Michio Yagi, uh, who has helped take the instrument in all sorts of new and interesting directions. Uh, you can, If you want to hear some of her solo Kodo work, you can. I recommend her album Shizuku, which you can also get easily on a lot of streaming places. And if you want to hear some of her weird free jazz collaborations that she does with various people, uh, I have not heard any myself, but her album Voldo, who she did with uh, Peter Bratzman and Paul Nilsson Love, got five stars on allaboutjazz.com, so check that out. Hmm. Did you do this all, like, right now? No, I did this before we started recording. Because oh, okay. he knew that we were going to ask for one. All right, fair enough. Well done. All right, so we want to thank you so much for listening tonight. And everybody, say good night. Good night, so long, farewell, and Alvita, say goodbye. remember, rock the dragon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. Good night, nerds. Good night. Good night, everybody in Otaku One. Also, my, also my Todoroki ship is with Inasa from Shiketsu. Bye, yeah! bitches! <laughs> Boy, that really blew us all away. God damn it! Da 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 da. Hey. Boop.